It's late at night and all through the house. Kids are sleeping. Just a second. I just saw something come through on my news feed about little Richard. Now, I didn't expect that. Um, You know how that little thing pops down at the top of your phone? I've been worried about him, actually, uh, because he's he's close to 90 and coronavirus has gone nuts in America. And, you know, you've got to keep an eye out for your rock stars. Uh, But I can never find um, articles. You know, I get a little flash come up. Was it on the BBC? Hang on. You get a a flash come up on your phone saying some news is there, but then you can't find it when you go into your news app. Oh, oh well. Yeah. Hang on. Let me just Google Little Richard just to make sure. Uh, Because uh, he needs to go to 100. Little Richard News. Here we go. Little Richard News. Uh, Little Richard, founding father of rock, who broke musical barrier. It's happened. Whoa, just before I do go on, um, something's just popped up on my screen. I'm working, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah, but sometimes the software has to run. And uh, so, you know, I have one screen with the news on it and the other screen with my software on it. Okay. Um, rapper Takashi69. Never heard of him. I thought it was a her for a moment when I looked at the picture. Looks like a girl, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, rapper rapper Takashi69, whoever that is, smashes Instagram live record. Now, that wouldn't be a... 45 or a 33 and a third or anything like that. A record, you know, like I uh, broke the record. Instagram, live record with post-prison boast. All right. Um, here we go. Five hours ago. Fresh out of prison and in home confinement, rapper Takashi69 destroyed the Instagram live viewership record. Doesn't say when. Uh, Yesterday, let's say, <laughs> as two million users watched him sound off, diss the haters, diss, I know what that means, and promote a new song. Um, it was a birthday rant, it was a birthday party rant of sorts for the braggadocious. I did not. It'd be a braggart. You know, I, I have seen that word before, but yeah, I've never used that word. It was a birthday party rant of sorts for the braggadocious star who turned 24 Friday. Now, that means turned 24 on Friday. Hey, young one. He's young. Not as young as all these rock and rollers were like Little Richard when they started. Oh, look, he's probably, probably started when he's 12, for all I know. Okay. Weeks after his early release from prison due to the rapidly spreading coronavirus, Takashi was sentenced in December to two years in prison on racketeering, firearms and drug trafficking charges. He is reserving the remainder of his sentence up in August under government surveillance at home. 
nice guy. That didn't stop the artist, known for his face tattoos and Technicolor braids. Oh, here's a girl. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, from jumping on Instagram to push his first post-prison track, Gooba. That's what comes out your nose. Oh, I'm not trying to smash him. Actually, I'm not going to talk about him at all, believe it or not. While flaunting his jaw-dropping testimony against former gang associates. Y'all could never cooperate with the government and come back. I'm a living legend, <laughs> the blinged-out rapper said, as viewership of the live hit. Of the, of the live hit the two million mark. That doesn't work grammar-wise, that sentence. Or it doesn't matter. He shattered previous Instagram records held by Drake, heard of him, and Tori Lanez, never heard of him or her, her probably, who amassed over 310,000 viewers in March and an R&B battle between Babyface and Teddy Riley. R&B battle, you know, these little battles, you know, like these, it's like those um, singing battles, you know, um, Gangnam style, you know, there's, um, there's a battle between, I think it's, a, you know, it's a parody, it's a satire, uh, a, a little gang battle in the car park by the Gangnam style guy, I forgot, I forget his name by now, and some other, you know, bloke in a yellow suit, you know, and uh, they have a dance off, you know. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, an R&B battle between Babyface and Teddy Riley that pulled in some half a million last month. A rat like me to come home and do more numbers than you? I would be mad too, said Takashi, whose lawyer has dubbed him a target. No kidding. <laughs> oh, there's a shock. For reprisal attacks from associates. Uh, furious that he snitched in court. Okay. Now, that guy. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Now, look, he strikes me as the opposite to Little Richard. You know, Little Richard wanted to spread the love with his music. This guy wants to spread the hate by the look of it, but I don't know him. If you know him, tell me I'm wrong. But I've, I've got a photo of him right in front of me, and he was in jail. Some, you know, is he a nice guy? Is Takashi 1969? Um, uh, or, you know, is he using music uh, to get angry and to get other people angry? It seems to strike a chord. Do you know there was a time in history when Bing Crosby broke the internet? Well, not the internet. There was no internet back then. But, you know, had the biggest selling record with a Christmas song, you know. Um, and instead of F the police, F the police, F the police, <laughs> Bing Crosby was singing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, you know. <laughs> and um, times have changed. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's concerning with that? Um, that little thing there that I just read is not so much that um, this guy is obviously a piece of cancer. Um, it's that um, that he's broken the record for Instagram live viewerships you know that millions of people want to watch him yeah people love this stuff now once upon a time they loved white christmas well no they didn't it wasn't a white christmas you know if you're african-american it wasn't a white christmas if you're little richard when bing crosby was singing that song look i can argue both ways uh, on with the show 
Betty Wright, the soul singer who I hardly knew, I feel I remember one of her songs, has died uh, two days after Little Richard has died. I'll talk about that in a minute. In fact, I was in the middle of a podcast episode. At the very moment, I found out that Little Richard had died midnight, two nights ago. Uh, But now, today, uh, Betty Wright has died. Another singer. Little Richard started out out as a soul singer, but I think he kind of got kicked out of that club. Uh, He had a disability. He had a club foot. He couldn't dance uh, like um, James Brown could dance. Uh, So there's a certain aspect, element, whatever, of um, the soul community that, uh, the African-American soul community, I don't mind saying, who said that that dictates that if you can't move, you ain't got no soul. And Little Richard wasn't getting anywhere with soul because he couldn't move like James Brown. And it didn't matter that he, you know, tried to counter that with, well, you know, James Brown isn't as pretty as me. That didn't work. Little Richard had a disability and therefore he had no soul. He had a club foot. He had other problems too. He had a big head. Now, I don't mean, you know, metaphorically. It was huge. Uh, Google Beatles Little Richard. There's a a photo of Little Richard with the Beatles. His head is twice the size of any, the heads of any two Beatles put together. I think think his head's about four times as big as Ringo's. Um, He had other problems too, Little Richard. Um, He wasn't allowed to have soul. Oh, geez, it can be brutal. Being in a community and not quite fitting in, not not being not quite right, you know that can be brutal. Um, yeah, he started out as a soul singer, uh, Little Richard, nineteen forty-one was his first. Yeah, that was what was it fifty-one? Sorry, I'm, I'm yeah nineteen fifty-one. Surely thirty-two, forty-two. <laughs> yeah, he was born in thirty-two, so thirty-two, forty-two. Oh, see, I'm losing track now. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, and he ended up going, moving away from all of that. 32, 41. Well, it couldn't be 41, could it? Yeah. Um, 32 he was born. Uh, so it had to be 51. Yeah, it was. It was 51. He would have been 19. Um, or 18. Because he was born very late in the year, December. Okay, uh, I, I think he was ostracised from the African-American community all in all. He was a bit, um, he, he wouldn't play the game, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be like Muhammad Ali was like. Uh, Michelle Obama has come out uh, just today or yesterday and, um, and... And, and mentioned that little Rif- little Richard refused to be anyone but himself, and I I, th- I think she was congratulating him for that. 
And there's, you know, there's something to that. He was, um, he, he refused to be anything but positive. Now, I know there's a time for activism. There's a time for Malcolm X. There's a time for Muhammad Ali. There's a time for Martin Luther King. But Little Richard wasn't any of those things. There's a time of Rosa Parks. Well, there's a time for Rosa Parks at the back of the bus. Absolutely. You know, to come to the front of the bus and, and go through the court system and all that sort of stuff. There's a time for activism. Uh, little Richard was fatally positive all his life. He refused to do all that. Um, he said he was in music uh, to uh, spread love. You know, not anger. Now, there's a time for anger. There is. I'm not saying there isn't, but you know, should everyone be angry, or do we need a couple of little Richards? Yeah, little Richard. Um, I've got some evidence to suggest that he hated rap. He he's got a nephew. Oh, he had a nephew. He's dead now, little Richard, by the way. Um, as of two days ago. Um, but he had a nephew, and his nephew asked. You know, when little Richard was about eighty, his his nephew asked because um, little Richard had been invited on the show, and his nephew said, "Can I come on and do my rap song?" You know, because you've got, you're on TV. And little Richard said, yeah, come on, you know. And um, he said, this is my nephew. He's a singer too, you know. <laughs> and um, and then his nephew started rapping some rap song, you know, which, is, which was the uh, antithesis of everything. Uh, musical style, words, everything. The antithesis of what little Richard was about. And you could just see it on his face. He was just waiting for it to finish. This is not what Little Richard was about. Little Richard did not fit into the rap community. Um, he, he was a positive life force. Now, positive things can come out of being angry. That's not what I'm saying. But Little Richard didn't want to take that tack. You know, like if Rosa Parks was coming to the front of the bars, you know, Little Richard was standing up in an auditorium with a segregated crowd, the white kids down the bottom and the black kids up the top, and he was doing that whole gay thing and raising his hands up like a shaman and uh, crying out to all the children, you know, if only their parents could see this, you are all God's bouquet. Or bouquet, how do you say that, you know? Um, and I want you all to mingle, you know? Everybody love each other. Yeah, he wasn't being an activist per se, but he was having the same effect of, you know, and rock and roll was all about that too. You know, like when Keith Richards talks about Chuck Berry, for example, he's not aware that he's black. He's not aware he's black. I've, I've heard Keith Richards with, I've, I've seen Keith Richards with Chuck Berry singing, but, you know, um, you, you, you don't even realise they're black. And, you know, you know, Little Richard's Little Richard. You, know, you, you kind of forget. Now, I know there's a time for black and a time for white. You know, and I know, you know, white people invented the idea of white, you know, which, you know, uh, triggered the idea of black, you know. So the idea of black is legitimate. Uh, white people created it by saying, we are white and you are black, you know, and, you know, People who are black or brown ended up sort of saying, oh, all right, then we are black then. If you're going to call yourself white, excuse my, um, my creaky chair. I'm sitting on a creaky chair. 
Okay, um, so there's that. Look, there's a time and place for everything, but should everyone be the same? Michelle Obama was kind of suggesting that, well, if little Richard wants to be just a positive life force all his life, good on him. You know, but it did have the effect, I think, of ostracising himself from, uh, a com- you know, let's say the civil rights movement and all that, you know, a community that, you know, would have insisted that he use his platform as, you know, he was the most famous rock star in the world at one point in time, that, you know, they, they would have said, you are being irresponsible if you don't use your platform to stand side by side with your friend, Michelle Obama. <laughs> Not Michelle Obama. <laughs> Muhammad Ali. And, um, and, you know, do a Malcolm X. Huh? Should everyone fit in? Little Richard didn't. You know, he was a raving, uh, he was a raving, uh, he was a raving fag. You know, I'll just say it. Uh, you know, in one of his joking moments, he would have said it himself. You know, he said it once, I'm omnivorous. You know, and uh, I actually, I can't repeat what Little Richard used to say because it kind of makes you uncomfortable. You know, how open he is about this sort of thing. And this is in an era before LGBTQIA and all these acronyms existed. And, you know, before it was even legal. I'm not sure it even it is even now in plenty of places in the world to be what Little Richard was, and that is, oh, left, right, up, down, gay, everything. You know what I mean? I don't think it was quite legal, but he has never been accepted, you know, with good reason, by the LGBTQIA plus community either. He's on the outer. But Michelle Obama put it better than that. You know, he's on the outer when it comes to the African-American community. And he's on the outer when it comes to being in the gay community. You know, none of them accepted him. Oh, look, he, it was because he was one-off. But, yeah, but it's also because he refused to play any ga- any of those games. There's a time and place for those games. That's not what I'm saying. Okay, so that's that. Um, and, you know, should he have? Um, or shouldn't he have? Well, he didn't have really much choice because he was who he was. And aren't we all? Well, not all of us. All right, so that's that. Um, but Betty Wright has just died. And this is the way it turns out. You know, she was accepted as a soul singer. She only had about two hits. You know, look, she was bigger than that. I hardly know her. You know, I just kind of remember the name and that's about it. Um, but she's died today. Now, I looked through all the tributes uh, to Little Richard when he died the other day. And, you, and they're all white. And here's me, a white boy. Um, making a tribute to him as well in the form of a, a podcast. You know, I'm not going to be doing that uh, when Kanye West dies, am I? Because yeah. I'm not a fan. Um, if I got to know his music, I probably would be a fan. If it's even, if it's even music, can he play anything? Can he play an instrument? I, I saw him in a clip once playing in a um, sort of gospel uh, context... And he was using one finger on a keyboard. But, you know, his body was moving, but he's, he had one finger. But he was really into that note. <laughs> it was C. <laughs> he was just compressing that one note. You know, and he had really impressive musicians all around him and all that sort of Look, I don't know. Maybe he can play the piano. 
Maybe he can play the saxophone. I don't know. You know, like Paul McCartney, you know. He could play everything, you know. He, um, he could play the drums and he could play the guitar. He was the best bass, you know, he was voted one of the two best bass players in the world. And Paul McCartney could sing too um, and um, and so on and so forth. And Paul McCartney could play about 16 other instruments too. So could Prince, you know. Um, Kanye, could he play anything? Look, I, this is not a smash Kanye session. He actually is a genius, I've heard. You know, people have told me. In fact, I heard him described as a modern-day Mozart, so I'll just assume that he is. But the point is, Betty Wright has died today. And I looked through the tributes to Betty Wright, and they are all rapper types. They're all African-Americans. Okay, she was accepted. Now, I looked through the tributes, unsurprisingly, I looked through the tributes for Little Richard the other day, after he died, and they're all white boys. Yeah, Paul McCartney, um, Mick Jagger, Elton John, Bob Dylan, you know, you could reel them off, and me. <laughs> one of those, one of, and here's my chair again. Can you spot the one, the odd, the odd man out there? <laughs> oh, yeah, anyway, um, so, um, yeah, and all these people, they started their careers, you know, wanting to be Little Richard, all those ones I just mentioned, and David Bowie and the boys from ACDC, Angus Young, you know, and uh, Bon Scott and all these people. Uh, yeah, Lenny Clemister from um, Metallica uh, and, and 50 others. They all cite Little Richard as, you know, uh, their kickstart campaign. <laughs> um uh, look, Little Richard really didn't have many fans. After 1957, they all dropped off. Little Richard hasn't been a superstar since 1957. He was a superstar for approximately one and a half years. Yeah, in for the world. Uh, but he ended up... Look, he's interesting for quite a few reasons, and that's going to be the subject of this podcast. But he ended up... It ended up the case that he was the rock star's rock star... All the rock stars knew um, that they had got what they'd got by watching Little Richard. You know, that's where they got their idea. You know, that's where they got their drive. They said, I want to be like that. Now, the funny thing is nearly, nearly all of them were skinny white boys. You know, psychoanalyze that, you know, because I am too. Well, I was. Well, oh, look, I'm in between now. Um, but I was a skinny white teenager. I was David Bowie without the talent. You know, and I went and played in a, a rock and roll band as soon as I could. Um, when I got to, you know, whatever age, 20. Um, you know, and David Bowie, you know, he became world famous, you know, and I became famous in my own bedroom. But it's still the same thing. You know, <laughs> the intention is there. <laughs> Uh, excuse my chair, uh, Muhammad Ali and Little Richard do that. You know, you make a little rhyme. <laughs> um, so, um, it creaks. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, But it's interesting, when you die, you find out, you know, which community you were accepted in. And Little Richard, I think we can say, never did end up getting... Um, accepted into the African-American community per se, you know, well, judging by the tributes anyway, because it's just like a wall of white people, 
Um, and there's reasons for that, you know, which we'll all vaguely get into in this podcast, in this episode. Um, and Betty Wright, you know, she's got all these names um, attached to her tributes and, you know, they're all rap kind of names. You know how rappers, uh, they have a different way. You know, they're not called Robert or Michael, you know, or Peter, you know. Uh, they're called, you know, Snoop Dogg. And things like that. So Betty Wright's admirers are all, have all got those funny names, you know. Um, yeah. Um, and um, and little Richard, yeah. Paul McCartney, you know. <laughs> Ringo Starr. Oh, that's a strange name. On with the episode. I'll start off with Paul McCartney. Of all people, you're doing a Little Richard song. The Beatles finished, what, every gig they ever did? Pretty much. With uh, Long Tall Sally by Little Richard. Paul was one of the few people who could sing it. Uh, to sing Long Tall Sally, you need to work out how to sing a foot above your own head. And Paul could do it. Uh, He hooked up with Little Richard in the early days. It was a big moment for the Beatles. They actually were the uh, support band for Little Richard at one stage. So were the Rolling Stones and so were many others. But anyway, um, uh, they could do um, Little Richard. They were able to do it. Look, anybody can do Elvis, really. You know, you can sort of... It's not challenging to sing like Elvis. A lot of people have imitated Elvis. There are Elvis impersonators everywhere. You wouldn't get too many people um, being able to impersonate Little Richard and that voice. Um, Because you have to learn how to sing a foot above your own head. Rappers, for example, you know, if if you're into rap, you could learn to do rap. It's not challenging vocally. Look, it's challenging rhythmically, no doubt about it. But you could, you could work on it and get there. Uh, but you, you know, very few people, even if you worked on it, could you get there? You know, it's a little bit like you know, you can if if you truly believe, uh, you can do anything. You know, like I, you know, I could sit here and say I truly believe I could win the hundred meters at the Olympics. I can't. You know, I'm not Kalenjin. <laughs> That's a tribe. In, in Kenya, you know, you have to have, um, you have to have what it takes. And Paul had what it takes. Well, obviously, little Richard had what it takes to do this sort of thing. Look, let's just have a, I'll put the Beatles on just to get myself warmed up on an episode about um, little Richard who uh, dropped dead last night uh, in probably one of my, you know, uh, hinge moments in rock and roll in my life. Uh, Elvis was another one I remember the moment when Elvis died. I remember exactly where I was when I found out, and John Lennon especially, you know. Um, I was a teenager. Uh, I think I was 12 or 13 when Elvis died, and I was about 16 or 17 when uh, John Lennon, Lennon died, and I kept a scrapbook of when 
John Lennon died, you know, I, I cut out. Uh, we were naive. Look, by the time we were 17, we were, we were like a 12-year-old is these days. It was a much more naive time, you know. Uh, but I made a scrapbook, and I think I was 17, which is a bit embarrassing, really, isn't it? No, it's not. I'm glad I was like that. Yeah, I grew up later, and I'm glad about that. But having said that, uh, and there were many things we didn't know when we were young. I didn't know Little Richard was gay, for example. I didn't really know what gay was. Yeah. Um, the first time I worked out what gay was, really, uh, was I was already almost grown up. I was, I was 16 or 17. I was 17. I was working on a farm. And um, I was driving a tractor, and I already knew the song Lola by the Kinks. And I was listening to it, you know, girls will be boys. And I'd already been singing it to myself, you know, I knew all the words. Girls will be boys and boys will be girls. You know, it's a mixed up world and a shook up world, except for my Lola, you know. Um, except for Lola, you know. And I said, holy cow, <laughs> I know what that song's about. Yeah, I worked out. I worked these things out late. Do you know none of us really knew that Freddie Mercury was gay? Look, it's obvious now. And Elton John, for example, didn't know it. Little Richard didn't know it. We just thought they were being flamboyant. We thought they were circus, tr- you know, circus actors. You know, because that's what rock and roll is. It's a circus. You know? and and they're all the circus actors. You know? Um, but still, you know, the Beatles. Well, they understood. Uh, John Lennon. You know. Um, oh, sorry, that's my AFL app. We don't actually have any AFL at the moment because of the coronavirus. Uh, but um, uh, John Lennon, he, he he always put everything best. You know, uh, poor old John Lennon, he couldn't sing like Paul McCartney could sing, and it was a crime, really, uh, because John Lennon had a rock and roll heart, but he didn't have the singing voice that Paul has, or had. Paul's lost his singing voice. Now, boy... You know, in his time, Paul. Paul could strip paint off the walls just like little Richard could. So I'm going to start with Paul. But John, I'll, 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 um, I'll try and remember a quote that he had once, you know, with respect to little Richard. Look, Elvis got to England first. The records, you know, um, they didn't even know who little Richard was. That's the way it was. Even when I was young, you didn't get, you, there was no way to find out. There was no internet. You had to wait till records hit the store. Yeah, and this was post-war England, um, in John Lennon's case. And he already had an Elvis record or two. And then one of his friends, and he was already into skiffle and playing music and trying to work out Elvis songs and all that sort of stuff, you know, like a teenager would, John Lennon. And uh, suddenly um, he got a hold of a long, tall, Sally record. Yeah? And he said... He couldn't even speak. I know that feeling. It's great to be a kid again and not have Spotify and all these things. And, you know, you, you'd take a record out of its sleeve and smell it. Yeah, that's the way it, is. it used to be. We've lost that a lot. Um, it was much more visceral sort of thing. These days, you know, and a whole album just drops. You know, they call it drops. Oh, blah, blah, dropped a new album today. Oh, really? Yeah, click. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, anyway... You know, and you've got it. You know, back in the old days, you had to wait for four weeks before you even heard your favourite song. And you didn't even know that favourite song existed for that whole four weeks, you know, or two years, maybe, you know. But John Lennon, you know, he said, um, you know, I loved Elvis. Elvis was God, of course. You know, in the back streets of, you know, the rough streets of London after the war. 
London was smashed up, you know. So all these kids were hardened rockers out the back streets, you know, tough. That's the Beatles, you know, before they cleaned, you know, before they cleaned them up and made them act clean. They never were. Um, and uh, John Lennon put it well. He said, um, and then, you know, Elvis, he was amazing. You know, we all loved Elvis. Elvis was the king. Yeah. And then I heard Long Tall Sally and I couldn't speak. You know, I said, how, how can such a song even exist? This is what John Lennon said. You know, how can such a song even exist? You know, because it's, it's hard now because it all sounds old now. But back then, you know, it's like a whole new musical style just landing from outer space. And you're trying to get your head around it. How could... How can music that good and that new have even been invented? Yeah, and he couldn't believe it, and he was really um, he felt challenged because he liked it better than the Elvis songs he'd heard. But he'd already had a rela- he'd already developed a relationship in his head with Elvis, and suddenly here's this song by Little Richard, you know. Um, and John Lennon puts it this way, you know, I'm you know this is just straight off the top of my head. He put it better. And he said, and then someone told me uh, that little Richard was a nigger. You know, that's how John Lennon put it. Now, he's quoting himself, his younger self, see? So, you know, he hadn't educated himself by then. This is him later in life talking about how he thought back then, you know. They were just socially constructed into thinking that was just an ordinary term, You, you know. And he said, oh... All right, thank goodness, you know, um, because I, now I don't have to choose, you know, because I can put little Richard in a, a different box and love him that way because he's a nigger, you know. Um, now, John Lennon ended up one of the great activists of his time, you know, just like Martin Luther King or anyone else, an activist for women, an activist for, you know... Uh, you know, idiots could listen to him speaking about what he used to think when he was younger, when he was a teenager, because that's what all the grown-ups were teaching him, and they could hear him using a word like nigger and actually jump all over him these days uh, because um, public discourse is dead. You can't talk like that. You can't actually discuss the facts without everyone going off their leader. But he was saying, listen, this is the fact of what I thought back then, and how was I to know any better because I was a teenager and this is what all the grown-ups were telling me, you know? And this is the world Little Richard had to grow up in too. It was a reality. It was a reality of life back then, you know? And he, and, um, he was relieved, he said, because I didn't have to choose, you know, because they were in two different categories. Elvis was still the king and Little Richard was just the thing. <laughs> That's the way Little Richard used to speak, you know, with that rhyming thing, you know. Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali was a good friend of Little Richard's. He used to, he came along and ended up talking like that too. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, that's by way of introduction. But, um, so, uh, and uh, I'll put on Paul McCartney, well, the Beatles, you know, doing Long Tall Sally, by way of warming ourselves up to talk actually about Little Richard. Uh, and I, I can't choose between the Beatles version of Long Tall Sally and Little Richards. They're different, actually, you know. But here we go. Let's have a listen. I'm not a talent man, but Uncle John said he had to miss him, but he got a lot of fun, oh, baby. Yeah, oh, baby. Oh, baby. Somebody now. I saw the John. 
uh, no multi-tracking, of course. Uh, these were the days when everybody sang straight onto the record. Everyone in the room together. Bang! Uh, it's the day after. The day after. Uh, the day by now. And this episode is not arranged chronologically in the order in which I'm speaking it, you know. Um, for example, right at the end of this episode, you'll never get there. It's about an hour away or more. Uh, right at the end of this episode is the, um, is the speaking I did at the very moment that I discovered that Little Richard had died, you know. Uh, and I, I chopped a little bit of that off the end of the episode and and put it back at the start of this episode, if you remember that bit. Um, okay. Now, it's the day after the day after. Um, and uh, I see Paul McCartney, you know, through the wonders of the internet, has, um, uh, well, he's put his own tribute up on the internet, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. I don't have Twitter, but that doesn't stop you being able to see stuff that people have put on Twitter. You just Google it, you know. Okay, Paul McCartney. At Paul McCartney. Well, there's a surprise. Um, okay. Uh, quoting. Uh, from Tutti Fruity to Long Tall Sally to Good Golly Miss Molly to Lucille, Little Richard came screaming into my life when I was a teenager. Well, we all know about that. You know, we all had that experience. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to turn into a beetle to have the experience. You didn't have to have talent. <laughs> you don't have to have talent. You don't have to have musical talent to own a lot of records. <laughs> I didn't own many records. Hey, one thing, by the way, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't know what Little Richard looked like until I got my first Little Richard record. And I would have, you know, I would have been following him for... I knew what Elvis looked like because you'd get articles in the newspaper about him. I knew what Little Richard sounded like. You know, I would have known about three or four or five of Little Richard's songs by the time I'd turned 16 and started buying my own records with my own money. Um, and my mum and dad had a couple of Little Richard records anyway and we had, oh, we had a lot of, yeah. 45s. Uh, my mum and dad were into rock and roll. They had it all. Um, but I, I, I can't imagine that I had any idea what Little Richard looked like until I got my first Little Richard record, which I've still got here in my shed. Um, and when I did get my first Little rec Richard record, it wasn't in the photo on the front was a photo of him. Uh, intentionally looking like a freak with his eye like intentionally looking like a madman his eyes wide open and you know this um clownish scream on his face you know so that was my impression of little richard for quite a long time after that one wonders when one actually starts to get a picture of you know what your rock stars actually look like um, and in my case, I think that didn't happen until the internet was invented. Yeah. It would have been, you know, I would have been 40 before I really got an idea of what little Richard looked like. Where else would I get a photo of him? 
up until I was about 40, I'd probably seen no more than a couple of photos of little Richard in my life by the time I was 40, which is amazing, really. Uh, you know, I could have perhaps gone to a library and looked him up or something, but I don't think you'd see much there anyway. You know, in, you know, I was in a small country town and I only had my school library and all that sort of We didn't even have a library in our town. Um, I think, um, did we have a mobile library? I can't remember. Uh, where, how would you know, you know, what your favorite rock star even looks like? Like, you know, when John Lennon, you know, first got floored by little Richard, he had no idea what he looked like. In his mind, all he knew was that he was, uh, that he was, you know, black. That's it. Um, he didn't know whether he was fat, skinny, you know. Did, did he know that little Richard was tall and thin and that Fats Domino, you know, was short and fat? Did he know that? Well, probably not. And did he even know if Fats Domino was fat? You know, because sometimes you, you, you get called the opposite, don't you, in this life? Then little Richard might have been little. You know, it turns out he wasn't. Um, but there you go. Uh, that was a digression, but let's get back to what Paul McCartney has been talking about today. The wonders of internet are such that I can read right now um, Paul's thoughts. You know, he can put out a eulogy of sorts, and I can just read it. You know, it's almost like he's talking to me. It's amazing. We have incredible, um, incredibly immediate access to each other in this world now. But anyway... Yeah, here's me just, you know, a beetle is talking to me, which is, you know, I take for granted now, but once upon a time, that would have been weird. Let's read what Paul McCartney has to say. Uh, today, uh, from Tooty Fruity, to Long Tall Sally, to Good Golly Miss Molly, to Lucille, Little Richard came screaming into my life when I was a teenager. I owe a lot of what I do to Little Richard and his style. And he knew it. He would say, I taught Paul everything he knows. You know, uh, look, that's probably not true. Yeah, and Paul would know that. Um, you know, Paul had influences from all the others too, Chuck Berry and Elvis and all that sort of thing. Um, and also Paul had his own genius, which, you know, everyone would very quickly come to learn about. <laughs> Yeah, and um, oh, you heard that. You heard, you know, forget about Paul's singing, which was incredible anyway. You heard that song just before, uh, Paul singing uh, Long Tall Sally, you know. That's that voice, but he also sings Let It Be. Yeah, and he also sings a song called Oh Woman, Oh Why, in which he's got exactly the same voice as Brian Johnson of ACDC, you know. Paul, he can do everything. Um, he can do every musical style. He can sing just like Elvis. But forget he's singing. You know, look, this is turning into a bit of a... Um, I, I don't... You know, my impression of Paul, I don't like that. You know, the way Paul comes across to me, I don't like him as a person. Uh, but, you know, you don't have to like someone to be amazed by them. And he is amazing. You know, look, I listen to Paul McCartney songs nearly all the time. Uh, 
you know, I've got uh, Paul McCartney's complete collection on Spotify. Now that's amazing, the fact that I've even got that. You know, back in the old days, I would have only had about, you know, I had two Beatles records by the time I was 18 and that's it. You know, the ti- times have changed and that was Please Please Me and with the Beatles. I was starting from the start and working my way up. All right, now, um, yeah, but, you know, uh, Paul's got all those different voices, but one of the voices Paul's got is uh, li- he can do Little Richard and a note higher too. Okay, uh, but um, Little Richard was able to do it uh, a note um, more masculine, as it were, um, like aggressive. The, little Richard had huge aggression. You know, a kind of, you know, what I know now to be a kind of, yeah, a huge masculinity. Yeah, he was a raving fag at the same time. You know what I mean by that? You heard my little spiel. Yeah, that's a compliment. All right. You heard my little spiel from John Lennon. Okay. Um, so, Paul McCartney says, he would say, I taught Paul everything he knows. Um, uh, I was with my... I've got, I can say this one now. Yeah, I, I don't mind digression, digressing. Digressing. Uh, I've got all the time in the world. Uh, that reminds me, you know, Paul saying that. I taught Paul everything he knows. Uh, oh, you'd have to know my father and my grandfather. Though, you know, perhaps they were a little alike, but you would not have dared to tell my father that. But um, my father was very good with cars. Yeah, anything to do with fixing cars and aeroplanes and everything. Um, now, um, and he considered himself self-taught, you know, because he racked off from home when he was about 15 and, you know, um, and, and started figuring out everything for himself and, you know, worked for TAA, you know, walked around to the, the, the then very young TAA airlines um, and got himself a job over there and started working on aeroplanes and all that sort of thing. Anyway, one day I was with his father, who's my grandfather, you know, who I call Pa, <laughs> and I was in my grandfather's shed and, uh, and this is relevant to little Richard, believe it or not. Um, and uh, I said to my grandfather, um, my dad's good at cars, because my grandfather was fixing a car at the same time. He was doing something, tinkering. And I said, my dad's very good at cars, you know. You know as, as a young kid would say, you know, I would have been eight. And, uh, and he said, yes, that's because I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> and, you know, even though I was eight, I was smart enough. Not to relay that little message onto my father. I can tell you now because they're both dead. <laughs> my dad and my grandfather. <laughs> but, um, but this applies here. You know, um, little Richard would say, I taught Paul everything he knows. Uh, little Richard was like that. He was very much like that. He would say, I started rock and roll. You know, but he wasn't the only one. You know, I started it all. Everyone and everything comes from me. This was... Little Richard's giant-sized ego. He was the Donald Trump of rock and roll. You know, just dial Donald Trump up a little bit and you've got Little Richard. Uh, he was uh, an ego unleashed. I think, I, think he, I think he leaves Donald Trump in the shade in his, you know, in his time. Okay. Uh, you know, so, oh, you know, look, there's no way Little Richard taught every, Paul everything he knows, but he taught him some things, and that matters. Um, okay, and, and, and um, look, Paul was able to cover a Little Richard song, and, you know, I don't know who you are listening to, where, but it's a 
cover that song you just heard. You know, the one I just put on by Paul and, you know, belt that song that high. <laughs> it can't be done. Okay. Okay. Anyway, he would say, I taught Paul everything he knows. He, he would also say, Paul's my baby. <laughs> he used to say that sort of thing too. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, and then Paul McCartney goes on to say in a follow-up tweet... I had to admit he was right. Yeah. Well, I, just now I've argued he was wrong, but, you know, Paul's Paul's just saying... Yeah, Paul, he just says whatever he says, you know. I don't have much time with for the way Paul thinks, you know. Um, in the, oh, look, he's being respectful here, and that's good. In the early days of the Beatles, we played with Richard in Hamburg and got to know him. He would let us hang out in his dressing room, and we were witness to his pre-show rituals with his head under a towel over a bowl of steaming hot water. Now, all the young English, you know, up-and-coming rock and rollers, uh, you know, Tom Jones and Beatles and Stones, they were witness to a lot of other things as well when it came to Little Richard. Um, and to a certain extent, none of them really ever have gone into detail about that since. Uh, look, we, we do, we have found out things. You know, the orgies and all that sort of stuff. You know, they were too young, the young kids, to know about all this stuff. Uh, we did have one uh, woman come out, come out and say, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, oh, I'll kick myself. Uh, but she was absolutely, she toured with little Richard, you know, a jazz singer. Um, what's her name? Etta James, you know. Etta James said... Um, there were, you know, I, uh, when I was young, um, I toured with Little Richard and Little Richard was, you know, the biggest thing in the world at the time. And, and she said, in, in retrospect, I saw things I shouldn't have seen at, you know, 15, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that would apply to the Beatles and all that sort of stuff. They saw things that they shouldn't have seen. But then again, Paul McCartney was, um, he was a bit off the leash too, you know. He didn't mind. I think John and the others were a bit more thoughtful about all these things, but Paul McCartney was just off and running, you know. Look, I was speaking to a friend the other day who um, is a little older than me, and he said, um, oh, look, you know, I'll just say it, uh, that when the Beatles came to Melbourne, obviously, you know, girls were climbing the drain pipes up into the Southern Cross Hotel trying to get to them, and um, and, and they were getting to them as well. Um, but... Uh, yeah, uh, Paul, uh, Paul, how did my friend put it? Look, he put it like this. Paul knocked off <laughs> a social, a Melbourne socialite, I don't know who it was, and, um, and her daughter as well. You know? So this is Paul. You don't have to like him. Uh, but anyway, Paul McCartney. And that was the, you know, that's what rock and roll's really about. I never knew that when I was young. All right, um, I just liked the music, you know. I, I, you know, I could tell it was um, rock and roll was all about um, unleashed themes. Now that, you know, I am not that sort of person. Uh, I'm not unleashed at all, but I liked it, you know. When you're not, you know, it's like um, being a, you know, a nerd and going to a movie and watching um, Transformers. <laughs> or something, and, you know, bang, 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 and all that sort of stuff, and really like watching it, but you're not wanting to be it, you know. 
and that, that, that's my relationship with rock and roll. But anyway, Paul McCartney would say, uh, did say, and has said in his tweet in his tweet here, he would suddenly lift his head up to the mirror, and say, "I can't help it, because I'm so beautiful." <laughs> Muhammad Ali picked up on that later, you know, from Little Rich. Well, Little Rich and Muhammad, uh, Muhammad Ali were both cut from that cloth. Uh, and they could both do it in a hilarious way. Yeah, Muhammad Ali, he was just amazing, you know, with his rhyming slang and all that sort of stuff. And so was Little Richard. Little Richard was hilarious, there's no doubt about it. In just the same way, most people know um, Muhammad, Muhammad Ali to be the king of that thing, you know, but Little Richard was too, and before Muhammad Ali was too. And that's what Little Richard has always said. He said, I started everything. <laughs> Yeah, everything is down to me. Yeah. Led Zeppelin, all of modern music, it all comes back to me. He had a supersized ego. And it's a little bit like my grandfather telling you know, me that he had taught uh, my father everything that my father knew. Yeah. yeah, he hadn't. He taught him some very important things, no doubt. But not everything. And that the same applies to Little Richard. You know, Little Richard had this um, sort of, uh, it was a little bit because he was getting no recognition, I think. Um, and that was one of his, you know, big things all his life. You know, the fact that he was getting no recognition. And Rockstar after Rockstar, who was imitating him in one way or another, was becoming a superstar, you know. The Beatles and, you know, the Rolling Stones and, um, um, you know, all of them. Jimi Hendrix and, um, you know, even later Prince, you know, and all this sort of stuff, you know and Led Zeppelin and ACDC, they were all going absolutely through the roof and he was just standing there saying, hang on, I started all this, how come I'm not this big? You know, because Little Richard, essentially, his career finished in 1957. You know, his career lasted only two years. It's amazing to think, you know, look, he, he made little comebacks and everything, but he really was washed up by 1957. A little bit like Elvis was. Look, Elvis made a comeback too. Elvis was washed up by about 1950. When did he go into the army? Elvis, you know, 57 or 56, 58? I don't know. Um, and, you know, rock and roll was washed up by about 1960. Rock and roll itself, well, it thought it was, uh, but the fire had uh, an ember from the fire, the very brief fire, the blazing fire that was rock and roll between 55 and 58. Yeah, um, when Elvis went into the army, it sort of all finished. Um, and especially when Buddy Holly got killed, you know, the big bopper and Richie Valens, you know, but Buddy Holly, um, you know, the, that was the day that music died and that was the end of rock and roll. Well, we thought it was. Um, that was the end of American rock and roll, really. Um, an ember, you know, from that bushfire wandered over to England and the bushfire that started over there eventually overwhelmed the world and little Richard was an American you see so he wasn't one of those he wasn't one of those English rock stars that came along in the 60s that blew away the world and there's a long list of them we all know them all yeah, all of them. Be you know, Beatles, Stones, you know, Led Zepp, you know, all that, and a few from other places too. ACDC from here in Melbourne, where I'm sitting, um, and uh, 
Uh, but um, an ember had wandered wandered over to England, and um, and 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 then a conflagration, you know, started over there, and the fire that was um, the British invasion, as they called it, uh, overwhelmed America and then the world, and all those rock stars are still famous to this day. All the English rockers, really, you know. Um, but, you know, little Richard was sitting there saying, I started all of this, you know, and Paul's my baby, you know. How come I'm on the shelf? Oh, dear. And he was on the shelf from 1957 onwards. And that, that's fascinated me as well all these years. You know, it's, it's the fans forgot little Richard. You know, he was a, he was a memory by then. All, you know, and... Um, Fans really forgot about Little Richard after about 1957 when he turned into a preacher and, and you know, gave his life to Jesus. That happened here in Australia, by the way, when he did that. Um, the fans, you know, he's never really had fans since then. It's a long time ago. Uh, but, except he, he has, but he is a rock star's rock star, you see. All the rock stars, they haven't forgotten. Uh, who started it all, and I'm talking rock. Um, and the person who did, and he did start that. That raving, craving thing. He started all that. You know, I forget who said that, someone, uh, a DJ. I, I look, I'd probably be able to remember his name, but I can't right now. Anyway, let's, let's finish off with what's Paul, what Paul McCartney's saying here. He would suddenly lift his head up to the mirror and say, I can't help it. Because I'm so beautiful, and he was, says Paul McCartney here. A great man with a lovely sense of humour. Oh, yeah, that's so pom of um, Paul McCartney. I personally think if I had known Little Richard, I wouldn't have liked him. Um, but that's just my impression. I don't know Little Richard, you see, and Paul does. Yeah, a, And that makes a very big difference. Okay. Uh, a lovely sense of humour, and someone who will be missed by the rock and roll community and many more. Um, I thank him for all he taught me. You know, that could be the next, you know, that's essentially the next Little Richard song. But the Beatles wrote it and did it. Um, I thank him, says Paul here, for all he taught me and the kindness he showed by letting me be his friend. Goodbye, Richard, and a wop, a bop, a loobop. And he signs it off, Paul McCartney. Now, the way he just signs that off, and a wop, bop, a loobop, you know, Paul is a dork. In my opinion, I'm a dork, and it takes one to know one, you know. But um, but look, it's heartfelt. I think it is. Um, all right, let's leave it at that. Uh, let's have that song, "I'm Down," which is essentially a Little Richard song, but it was written. It was written by the Beatles. Shut up, Bert. It was written 
by the Beatles and, <laughs> and sung by Paul. put on I think you know and also the Beatles are writing that hang on I've got to try and make this podcast go away uh, sorry this um YouTube thing go away um that's already you know their musicianship their musicianship is already starting to advance by now when the Beatles started um, yeah the Beatles were funny uh, and the Beatles really get me understanding little Richard actually uh, because you know little Richard uh, found a winning formula you know and um, and so did the Beatles at the start you know in fact the Beatles found uh, the winning formula that was already rock and roll um, but then little Richard uh, want to put that formula away and do what the Beatles were doing and that is um, go on to the next formula and then the next and the next you know most uh, artists and, and that would include modern artists you know and artists of long ago you know rappers for example they find a winning formula I'm sure and they keep doing that maybe a slight variation but they keep doing that you know did you know Beyonce I don't know many Beyonce songs but you know 
Kanye West, you know, are they still sort of doing what they did at the start? I don't know, but most artists do that. You know? And little Richard, he, you know, he was watching the Beatles. Uh, and the Beatles, what they did, they found a winning formula. You know, and they go through the roof through the roof with that winning formula and they'd create an album and it was amazing and they were at the height you know they were the best thing you know and the most amazing thing about the Beatles is as soon as they found that winning formula that was making them a million records they'd throw it away whilst it was working you know it hadn't even started to wane and they threw it away and then the, the next album would be completely different, a whole new advanced style. And this is part of um, Little Richard's anguish, I think, my impression of Little Richard through his whole life. He was always in anguish about this. You know, he wanted to do that. Uh, but to a certain extent, the whole world, the rock and roll world, had, uh, he was yesterday's man. He was, a, he, was, um, he was back in the 50s, you see, because of... Um, the Beatles were the 60s, which was the new broom, you know, um, and everything was advancing by then. What every, you know, it was because of the English, you know, the English came over and that was a whole new world and all that sort of stuff and everyone just advanced from there. But none of the 50s rock and rollers were able to, could, could move ahead, none of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, Elvis even, I really don't think he did. Um, look, he had his comeback in the 70s for a bit, but it was genuinely a comeback, you know. Um, look, he did develop something in Las Vegas, all right, he did. You know, and I like that stuff better than the early Elvis stuff. All right, put Elvis aside, Elvis is always a little bit different. Um, Elvis was weak anyway, killed himself, you know. He, was, he didn't have the life force that little Richard had to keep going. Um, uh, Little Richard, uh, yeah, he kept going till 87. He's dead now. Um, but Elvis, he did ha didn't have the life force to keep going. He just got fat, 40, and finished. Yeah. Um, a few went out with, in a blaze of glory, of course, rock and rollers. They had the life force and then, and then wiped themselves out in cars. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's a whole other story. Um, anyway... Um, but, you know, I think uh, th this is, you know, I get fascinated watching Little Richard clips because I can do that now because I've got the internet. And um, he's in anguish most of the time. He tries, excuse that aeroplane, he tries to turn it into a joke um, and it becomes a running gag that goes for 50 years. And he says, how come you're all not, you know, asking me to do new stuff? I want to do new stuff. And he was desperate to do new stuff. And I'm um, in the 70s, he tried to make a bit of a comeback at the same time that Elvis was making a comeback. All the rock and rollers were making a bit of a comeback in the early 70s uh, because there was a whole new, uh, renewed interest. And the poor, the poor blokes, you know, um, you know, they, they rolled out all the old rockers from the 50s, but they were only about 30-something, you know. They're only young blokes. I'm 57 now. You, know, you had 30-year-olds, 30, 30 you know, like the Everly Brothers or something. They would have only been about 30, 32, 33 in the early 70s. But...
I was interrupted just then by an incoming phone call. You know, the, the perils of speaking a podcast into your phone. Uh, but, um, you look, you get where I was going with all of that. Yeah. The Beatles, yeah, um, they, they make a good comparison for Little Richard. The Beatles went through the roof. Year after year after year, they found a winning formula and threw it away. And my goodness, Little Richard would like to have done that. He didn't want to be the architect of rock and roll, really. You know, by the time he was 30, 35 and already washed up, he wanted to make another album. And in the 1970s, poor Little Richard, he made a dizzying array of musical styles in, you know, song after song that he was releasing and everyone was ignoring all of them. He couldn't do a Beatles. And this is part of Little Richard's anguish and it's one of the reasons that makes him more fascinating to me, the fact that he did have that anguish, than Paul. Paul's not fascinating to me. It's a sad thing when someone dies uh, for the people who know that person. Uh, For the rest of us, the the person we're thinking about who has just died is uh, our impression of that person. You know, and we're sort of saying uh, goodbye to that person, you know, which is very likely to be a different person. You know, so, you know, the family and friends of little Richard amongst whom are even people, you know, who are, there are some rock stars that um, still keep in touch with him, or did until yesterday, because he's dead, by the way, he's died. Um, uh, yeah, Tom Jones, for example, has said recently that he's been in touch with Little Richard, or Richard, you know, as he might call him, Richard, I'm sure, if he knows him. I don't know him. Uh, lifelong uh, follower of Little Richard since I was a teenager, you know, he, he's kind of one of my um, aliases, really, yeah. um, where yeah, I have these games that I play, you know, and one of them is to be, you know, to be a version of Little Richard, Richard Pennyman, but it's just a device. It's one of my devices that I use, you know, almost a literary device, you know, because I've written a lot you know, under the sort of alias of Richard Pennyman, and I've written a lot under the alias of a lot of other things, too. It's an old, old trick. And a lot of rock and rollers use that trick too. You know, to not be, not be, you know, don't be yourself. It's a, whoever you are, it doesn't matter. You know, case in point, you know, uh, David Bowie, you know, when he died, the world mourned David Bowie. Um, uh, but um, his wife mourned David Jones, which was his real name and his and the real him too. We didn't know the real David Bowie, you know, the, who was who was actually David Jones. Look, David Jones, David Bowie, he took it all the way. Uh, he he would run an alias inside an alias. It's a game. The you know, people have been doing that, you know, for thousands of years, back to Greek times. Uh, using literary or you know artistic devices, you know, rock and rollers do it all the time. Uh, in fact, David Bowie himself used to channel Little Richard. Um, I really think Ziggy Stardust, which was one of uh, 
David Bowie's aliases lends a lot from Little Richard because um, Little Richard was uh, David Bowie's you know major idol. Now, not an idol as in you know I think this person is fantastic. You know I had a great uncle who loved Hitler, but um, I won't go into that. You know what I mean? But he, you know, he, he was fascinated with Hitler, but uh, and. I won't explain how, but there was nothing wrong with that. Are you certain there was something wrong with that? Are you absolutely certain? Well, I'm not going to prove, but I bet you I could. In fact, I know that I could prove there was nothing wrong with that, believe it or not. There was nothing wrong with that. He, um, his mother used to, this is my great uncle, his mother used to play German marching tunes, and she was English, by the way, and uh, her husband, fought in uh, World War One. He was an Anzac um, in the trenches in France for at least three years. You know, they knew all about the Germans, don't worry about that. But um, it, it so happened that her son loved Hitler. And she would play, you know, when we were kids, she would play German marching tunes and he would go, you know, he would goose step laughing his head off um, around the lounge room while she played me she was a pianist it can be done yeah um, yeah this is not you know, this this whole area is not about um, activism or politics or anything it's art you know, and in my great uncle's case it was something else but I'm not going to mention what you know I'm just going to assert that there was nothing wrong with it my great grandmother taught me that. She actually told me, and, you know, you know, because you know, I was young, but and maybe I looked askance, you know. But she uh, just reassured me. She said, "No, you know, he likes it, you know, because he he um, fell in love with Hitler in the pre-war years." And she, you know, explained something valuable to me. She, he, she said he liked it. And, you know, t- Hitler turned bad later, a lot, you know, very bad, you know. Um, and uh, but he doesn't know that, and he still lo- and and I'm not going to deprive him of his happiness. He followed Hitler like I pretty much followed Little Richard in a way. Uh, Little Richard wasn't Hitler, you know. <laughs> but anyway, all that aside, yeah. And David Bowie, as I say, he channeled Little Richard. Um, now, uh, the Serious Moonlight tour by David Bowie. Uh, I. I, I went to that with my cousin, and um, and David Bowie, uh, the suit he wears in that is yellow, but it was tailored perfectly to match um, Little Richard's 1950s, you know, iconic suit that he used to wear. Nobody wore nobody wore a suit like Little Richard wore a suit back in the 1950s, and David Bowie had his sort of. Uh, you know, serious moonlight tour suit modelled on that. In fact, he bought little one of Little Richard's suits. His wife bought it for him for his birthday, David Bowie. Um, and uh, and and now that that was the album Let's Dance. And um, David Bowie was an artist. And he, you know, I don't know what you think about artists. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what I think about artists. But David Bowie, when they said, how do you want this album to be and to feel? He said, 
and he brought out a picture of little Richard in front of a Cadillac, hopping out of a Cadillac back in the 1950s. And he said, I want my album to sound like this looks. You know, artists do that. Uh, you know, sometimes people, you know, classical musicians, they say, this is my blue. You know, what, what colour would you say this music is? And they say, that's my orange music, you know. That piece of audio got ceremoniously dumped, interrupted. I speak my podcasts directly into my phone. And if someone rings me, it chops the podcast off. It's just a... It's just one of those things about me and my podcasting. All right, so anyway, look, that, that serves us. You know where I was going with all of that. You know. um, uh, so, um, what else? Oh, yeah, look, you know, Jimi Hendrix, you know, for example, uh, he was in Little Richard's band, and before he was sacked by Little Richard, he did, you know, um, for good reason, really, because he was trying to upstage Little Richard. The, uh, the stage was not big enough for the both of them. Um, now, he, you know, when he was getting going um, as a super rock star, um, he said, I want my guitar to sound like his voice sounds. You know, the way Little Richard sings, I want my guitaring to be like that. You know, this is what artists do. All right, moving right along. Um, I, I was talking about Paul McCartney before. Um, Paul McCartney was definitely in the genius uh, category, uh, most certainly. Now, Paul McCartney was born um, with um, talent, musical talent, um, you know, in his DNA. Uh, how, how can you, you know, he's just a genius. Um, he was just born a genius and then be, was a genius on top of that. He worked hard. Um, he did everything. He had it all. Now, Paul McCartney, I didn't mention this, but uh, I might have mentioned it. See, I've forgotten now. Uh, but Paul McCartney could sing. Yes, I did say that. He could sing like Little Richard. Um, now, Elvis, he couldn't sing like Little Richard. If I'm repeating myself, you know, it's later in the day now, and I'm on a drive, and I've pressed record, and just let, I'm just letting it fly, you know, the podcast thing. Um... Elvis couldn't sing like Little Richard. He tried. He shouldn't have tried. Um, look, it's not for me to say that. Um, now, no, I haven't talked about Paul McCartney. <laughs> That's coming up. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I forget which order I'm speaking these things in. Uh, now, Paul McCartney, he could sing like Little Richard. Uh, but Paul McCartney could also sing like an angel. At the same time, Little Richard couldn't sing like an angel. Uh, Paul McCartney could also sing like Elvis. Uh, Paul McCartney could sing like Brian Jones from AC. Uh, Brian Jones from Rolling Stones. Yeah. Brian uh, Brian Johnson from ACDC. You know, Oh Woman, Oh Why. Song of Paul McCartney, where he just lets rip with the vocals. Um, uh, Paul McCartney could uh, tear paint off, strip paint off the walls with his voice, but he could also sing beautifully when he wanted to. Yeah, there's a little, there's a song I like, Little Lamb, Dragonfly, you know, but then, you know, which is just, oh, his voice is so melodic, you know, and Tug of War and all these songs, 
so melodic and let it be and all the rest. Um, but then he, he had other voices where he would, you know, he had other songs where he used other voices and he would, he would just rip, let rip with a little Richard song and he could do it. You know, I talk about that in a minute. Um, Elvis could sing like Elvis, but Elvis couldn't sing like anything else. He only had one voice. He had only one voice. Look, he had sort of two voices, a kind of rock and roll voice, not a rock voice. He tried to sing Little Richard, and uh, I don't think he got anywhere near it. Um, Elvis could sing like Elvis, but he was a bit of a one-trick pony or a two-trick pony, uh, very much a one-trick pony or a two-trick pony. Um, but when he tried to... Uh, let rip in a rock way it didn't work he still sounded like Elvis a little bit safe you know he couldn't Elvis couldn't unleash he wasn't unhinged enough he wasn't able to uh, have an outer body experience he was very contained with his voice in my opinion right now get, getting back to what I started with um, yeah, my, my feelings on, you know, my thoughts on Little Richard are that, you know, the person who's just died is my impression of Little Richard. You know, the same, the same went for when John Lennon died. Look, I think we all got a pretty good idea of who John Lennon was. Well, I, think, I think we really got the real John Lennon. I'm not sure about Little Richard. He's a bit elusive. Um, and, uh, and Elvis, you know, they're the three main deaths. That resonated with have resonated with me in my life, rock star wise. Um, uh, but you know, um, you couldn't pick up Elvis and put him in a heavy rock band or a heavy metal band. Yeah, you, know, you couldn't get him stepping in uh, and singing for ACDC or Led Zeppelin. You know, it wouldn't work. It'd be stupid. You know, but you know, Little Richard could have given that a crack. Jimmy Barnes could have given that a crack. Would have given it a good crack, um, and you know, uh, Paul McCartney, believe it or not, could have could have done it as well. Uh, it's just that Paul McCartney's personality is one of a dork. You know, Paul's like me, um, but he just got born with the ability to be a rocker. Um, he got he got all the talent, Paul McCartney, but you know. Uh, he comes across to me. I don't know the real Paul McCartney. Only his family and friends do. Uh, but, you know, the way he comes across to me, he seems like a bit of a dag. <laughs> um, but he was, um, uh, you know, uh, sexually precocious to Paul McCartney. He was off the leash in that way. Look, it takes a lot um, to... You can't pin people down very easily. Uh, you know, Paul McCartney, you know, he was... Um, yeah, he was off the leash in, in the little Richard sense. You know, I think he, I think he batted from both ends and all that sort of stuff in his time and all that sort of thing. And with that, um, you know, we, we, and that leads us nicely into Little Richard, actually, <laughs> uh, so to speak. Uh, all right. Now this is a prologue or a prologue. Sorry, um, uh, it's like saying COVID, you know, instead of COVID. I don't know how to say that one. Um, this is a prologue um, to this podcast which is a new podcast uh, this is the first episode in a new podcast um, but um, what's happened is that just when I was about to start this podcast which was supposed to be a nice tight podcast uh, I, um, I got waylaid by the death of little Richard overnight 
and later on in this podcast there's some audio of me um, discovering little Richard had died and that was last night at about midnight uh, and I pressed record at the, at the instant uh, actually I was already talking on a podcast and little Richard died in you know as far as I you know I perceived as I was talking you know so I've got it hot off the press there um, so that audio is later but I've come back during the day today to add a few bits and all this will be a prologue uh, to uh, the podcast as a whole um, and I'll do the introduction to the, to the to the podcast as a whole it's a brand new podcast um, in the in the second episode as such you know all right uh, moving right along um, I can't remember what I spoke about next but let's just hear it Okay. Easter. We were on the Soupy Sales Show at the at the Paramount here oh in Times Square. Well, this is history. Wow. Yeah. Soupy uh, hosting a rock and roll show? Correct. Okay. We, and the star of the show, of course, was Little Richard. Great. You know? And one one of the nights, I hear this incredible argument going on. Don't you ever do play guitar with your teeth again. You're just the guitar player. I'm the king of rock and roll. Don't you ever mother... Argument going on. He was talking to Jimi Hendrix, his guitar. Oh, player. how funny. Don't you ever play guitar with your teeth with again. With your teeth again. Don't well, upstage me. Ah. <laughs> funny. My God, what a funny. That's when I did. we did, uh, you know, a little later we did that. Uh, that was uh, Graham Nash of Crosby, Stills and Nash. I hide every Crosby, Stills and Nash song that ever pops itself up onto my Spotify. However, that was Graham Nash rem- remembering a moment <laughs> yeah, uh, when um, uh, Little Richard had Jimi Hendrix in his band and uh, that was never going to work out. Uh, no stage was big enough for both of them. Uh, Little Richard um, had to be uh, the star and Jimi Hendrix had charisma as well. So that was never going to work. Um, But I mentioned that because, um, you know, just by way of introduction to this episode, um, which is about Little Richard, because he managed to drop dead last night. Uh, And I was there on the spot, as I always am, you know. Um, and, And some audio is coming up later of me speaking last night because I was about to start the introduction to this new podcast. This is a new podcast. Uh, You know, I've put away the previous podcast, uh, which was called Charlie Threadbow Episodes 1 to 300 and 209. Uh, And this is a new one, you know, Episodes 210 onwards. Don't worry about all that. It's not about that, and it's not about me. I'm, you know, I'm using a fake name even. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I do want to, you know, I wanted to do an introduction to this podcast, and I was about to start it last night, and I was unexpectedly interrupted by Little Richard dropping dead. I couldn't believe it. It was within seconds of me starting this whole new podcast, and it's, oh, it's only the second podcast I've ever started. And within seconds, um, you know, 
I got a notification on my phone into which I was speaking the podcast, the brand new podcast, and it was a notification that little Richard had dropped dead. Um, and you know, um, uh, little Richard is one of uh, one of the um, people who are in my Little Richard Riot Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've actually got one of those, and it's named after Little Richard. You know, another person in that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, is, for example, Paul Keating. And these are the people in history who knew how to raise a riot. Um, another one is um, uh, of uh, look Ted Ross. He, he was an Ethiopian emperor in the 1800s. He was another one you know, who knew how to raise a riot. Um, anyway, there's quite a few people in that. Uh, now, the, the fact that I'm a little Richard fan and I know you know very, I know a lot about him. You know, I've been following him very closely since I was a teenager. And when I was a teenager, he was young. He was still you know he um, he was still at his peak. At the peak of his powers, um, and this would have been in the 1970s, um, and uh, and now he's dropped dead. You know, some 50 years later, 45 years later, or whatever it is now. You know, since I was a teenager. All right. Um, now that that was a little bit of audio just to introduce this episode, uh, which is going to be a long one, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, this podcast, you know, I started this podcast in order to make short episodes because in my previous podcast, I made long episodes and I said to myself, time to start a new podcast and this time keep the episodes tighter and shorter, uh, but that's not going to happen on this first episode because it's not every day that little Richard drops dead. Anyway, I made some audio last night at that very moment. What you might, you know, that he died. Uh, what you might call an on-the-spot eulogy. And that's coming up later in this episode. But I've come back today into the podcast. Um, and I'm adding a bit, you know, something of a summary at the start of the episode. And I thought I'd start it with that. You know, Graham Nash, you know, remembering a moment. Just a moment. Um, uh, now, we might as well have a little bit of audio uh, about... now. Jimi Hendrix ended up dying as well. Um, and after he died, uh, little Richard was barred from you know, having anything to do with anything about that. You know, even before uh, Jimi Hendrix died, little Richard was barred from seeing Jimi Hendrix ever. You know, because Jimi, uh, little Richard, you know, he sacked Jimi Hendrix from his band. Little Richard sacked Jimi Hendrix from The Upsetters, which is Little Richard's band, uh, because they had a falling out over a number of things. But I think it was mainly over ego. I, 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 tend, I, I feel like I like Jimi Hendrix better as a person. He was softly spoken. There's something about Jimi Hendrix I like. Um, there are rock stars I like, and there are rock stars I don't like. You know? Two rock stars I like a lot. Just, you know... I wouldn't have minded knowing them are uh, Buddy Holly and Pete Ham from the band 
bad finger, you know, which was previously the Ivies. These guys, you just feel like you like them, you know. There's a couple of, uh, there's rock stars I, I wouldn't like to meet ever. Um, Eric Burden from The Animals, I don't get a good feeling about him. And definitely Chuck Berry. No time for Chuck Berry as a person. Uh, his music, amazing, you know, and I listen to his music. Uh, but you know, I can listen to the music of people I hate. All right, now, um, this is like uh, Daniel Barenboim, you know, he's the Jewish, you know, famous Jewish conductor who um, is very happy to do uh, Wagner operas and uh, music, you know, um, even though Wagner, you know, Wagner, but I'm not going to say Wagner, and he you know, I don't say Bach, you know, I don't say Haydn, I say Hayden, Bach, and Wagner, you know, because where does that stop? You know, why would you, yeah, anyway, don't worry. Um, uh, you know, Daniel Barenboim, you know, he gets a lot of criticism in the Jewish community for playing Wagner because Wagner was an anti-Semite, you know, but he said, hey, you know, there's the man, Wagner, and then there's the music, you know. Um, and he's able to separate those two things in his mind and so am I, you know. Um, so that's that. Now, um, so, you know, Little Richard, you know, Chuck Berry I wouldn't have liked. He's a toolie, you know. I'm not sure I would have liked Jerry Lee Lewis either. Uh, but um, Elvis I think I would have liked. Uh, now, uh, Little Richard, yeah, it's a good thing that I never met him because I think I wouldn't have liked him if I knew him. And met him, but I'm fascinated by him. You know, other people in my Little Richard Riot Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, for example, you know, that em that Ethiopian emperor I, me I mentioned, who I got obsessed with for a bit, um, I wouldn't have liked to know him either. You know? He used to chop people's hands off and throw them off cliffs, you know. But just because you're a fan of someone doesn't mean you think they're you know, Mother Teresa. Look, I don't like her either. But there are, there, there are, in this world, there are people who are forces of nature, and they're fascinating. They're like car crashes. You, know, you can't look away. They're forces of nature. There are wonderful, beautiful people out there, but they bore you senseless. You know, you're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about them. They're lovely. And if you meet them, they're lovely. You know, but after about ten minutes, you're sort of making your apologies and say, listen, I've got a few things to do. You know, but there are other people... You know, maybe Hitler, you know, Napoleon, Julius Caesar, people with charisma, you know, and um, they're not wonderful, they're not compassionate, they're not beautiful, but you can't look away. They've got something. They've got a life force. Yeah. Um, Darren Mullane, the Collingwood footballer. I know that's, you know, pushing back a bit in time. That, would, that was just after the grand final we lost. I'm an Essendon supporter, you know, 1990. Uh, he, when he died, nobody could believe it. Yeah, not because he was a lovely guy, necessarily, although his mum loved him, I'm sure. Um, and, uh, you know, if, you're not a, if you weren't a Collingwood supporter, you didn't like him. Uh, but we couldn't believe it that he had died because he was a force of nature. It's an intangible. These people who are a force of nature, Little Richard's one of those. I don't necessarily like him. Uh, but he was a natural-born shaman. Uh, you know, 
a force of nature, and um, he was born in the worst possible uh, circumstances. And through sheer, his sheer force of nature, dragged himself up to become king of the world in his own world. You know, the rock and roll world. He would have been king of the world. Look, I think he was king of the world, but he couldn't be because he was black. You know, so we, we needed we needed a white man who, you know, a pretty boy, white man, who, because uh, we wanted to hear black music. We wanted to hear black music, but we couldn't have, uh, we weren't uh, able constitutionally, we weren't able to declare a black man like Little Richard, or even Fats Domino, or any of them, or even Chuck Berry, you know. They, none of those could be the king of rock and roll. It had to be a white man, so, you know, um, Elvis, you know. Uh, but having said that, you know, these guys, like Fats Domino, um, and Chuck Berry, definitely, and Little Richard, um, they were the life force behind rock and roll, and Little Richard was the biggest life force force of them all. He was the most unleashed. And I'll get into that later. Um, and only one person like that is born in a million. And, and not just only in the field of rock and roll. You know, in politics, in war, in anything. Just occasionally a Napoleon pops up and uh, he's irresistible in one way or another. You know, he's going to the top. You know, Napoleon did that too. He dragged himself up. He was just a what was he? Just a corporal or something. You know, like, no, just he was. He was just he was on the lowest rung, and um, got himself noticed all the way through, and just couldn't be stopped. There, there was no way to stop him. They ended up having to put him on, you know, one island and then another island. You know. Um, basically probably ended up having to poison him just to stop him. He was unstoppable. And little Richard was unstoppable. You know, Darren Mullane was unstoppable. Was, was unstoppable. Did I say unstoppable? <laughs> In his time and so on. You know, you get these people who are life uh, forces of nature. You know, God just makes different people different. We are not all the same. You know, there's, there's a lot of songs around these days. We are... We are, we are all the same, you know. We are all beautiful people and all this sort of stuff. We are seven million beautiful souls. No, we're not, you know. Nothing like it. Don't you remember at school, some of the kids, the other kids, were just pigs, weren't they? Well, maybe you were. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, the tr it's not the truth, you know. There are some people who are bigger than others. Some people are boring. Some people are interesting, you know. Look, some people, you know... If this person dies or that person dies, um, it makes it, it matters which. Uh, we had uh, doc, you know Victor Chang, Doctor Chang. When he died, uh, he's a, a famous uh, surgeon in Australia. When he died, Australia went into shock uh, because so many people, he, he, his death affected so many people. He mattered, you know, and whereas, you know, it's horrible to hear, but if I had died that day, it would have been better. Um, I'll leave it at that. But little Richard, he's a life force, so him dying, look, I've been anticipating that he would <laughs> eventually. I thought coronavirus might knock him off. Um, it didn't. 
Um, it looks like, it, you know, he's, I won't say what he's died of, but he's died of something else. All right. Um, now, um, now, where am I in this podcast? Oh, yes. Now, look, he did. There was one occasion. It's a good place to start because Jimi Hendrix ended up famous too. Um, so it's a good place to start just to have that little anecdote from uh, Graham Nash uh, about um, Little Richard and... Um, Jimi Hendrix arguing on stage while it was more Little Richard bullying Jimi Hendrix, you know, because it'd be wrong to paint Little Richard as an angel. He was the leader of the, his band. He was the king. He was everything. You know, that's how he used to talk. Actually, you know, he he did that Muhammad Ali thing before Muhammad Ali did that Muhammad Ali thing. Uh, he sang at Muhammad Ali's fiftieth birthday party, by the way, and that's worth a listen. Actually. Um, I'll put that on right now, actually. Just give me a second. Now, I'm not going to bother doing nice editing and all that sort of stuff. Let's just find it, and you'll get a bit of an idea of, you know, the, uh, the style of Little Richard. Look, you probably already know him. Little Richard, I'm typing into my other iPad. I've got two iPads on the go here. Muhammad Ali, there we go. And let's just hear it cold and see how it comes out. I haven't heard this for a long time. Uh, and it's a little bit, you know, it's this, it's little Richard. He's camping it up on this occasion. Camping it up. One of the few people who could say to Muhammad Ali, I love you. <laughs> I love you, darling. You know, whatever he says, I can't remember. You know, I love you, baby. <laughs> Only little Richard could get away with saying that to Muhammad Ali. And, you know, it's this characteristic sort of thing. You look... Um, he was a raving, craving fag, if you like, little Richard, you know, when he, wa when he was. And then sometimes he was hating himself for being that. Um, but he was one of those ones where, you know, when he started singing, it was a roar. Very masculine, but he was, you know, a screaming fag at the same time. But he hated himself for that. And he was never embraced by uh, the growing LGBTQIA community, you know, that whole community. He's never been embraced by them because he spent too much time in his life smashing himself up uh, for his non... Yeah, he was brought up fundamentalist Christian. It's a long story. His father was a preacher and a tough one who, um, uh, who was very disappointed in Little Richard, let's put it that way wearing the high hair and putting the makeup on and hanging out with all the freaks in the neighbourhood. Um, uh, look, let's just listen to this song as a way of getting ourselves warmed up for this episode. Uh, Muhammad Ali's here and Little Richard's here too. And now, the one, the only, Little Richard! Again, honey. The king. Thank you. You know I'm for real about this thing. And I love you. Happy birthday, baby. I'm in my 50s too. I know how it feel. <laughs> Shut up. 
can hardly wait to get out here to play this song for you. Let me feel it go. against that video just a second another one's gonna start and i don't want that to happen stop 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 i can't stop this thing uh have i told you about the show no let no, me uh, get to it right away uh oh, my first look i've got another video and i didn't mean that let's just put it on i'll bring out later now <laughs> having a lot of trouble tonight it is impossible to imagine what rock and roll would sound like if our next guest had never been born uh, along with elvis presley and chuck berry he is one of the undisputed giants of rock from the day he recorded Tutti Frutti in 1955, his influence has been enormous. His life has been just as exciting as his music. And we'll talk to him about both tonight. Please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Little Richard. Now that's it. This is David Letterman back in 1982. Uh, I'll, I'll stop that there. Uh, let me go back. Um, and I'll stop that as well. There's no editing in this episode, this podcast. Um, Muhammad Ali... Yeah, there's some comments there. Ali looks like a little kid meeting his idol. And that's true, you know, they panned around to his face, uh, Muhammad Ali's face, as Little Richard was singing then. And he did, he had that rapt look on his face. Little Richard was a shaman. 
Okay. And um, and when Little Richard came out to you know do the little song for little uh, for Muhammad Ali at his birthday at Muhammad Muhammad Ali's birthday, um, someone else has written here. If Muhammad Ali say you're the king, then you're the king. Yeah, that's that African American jive talk. And then the next person says he really kept his voice in shape. Usually, most artists start to deteriorate at that age, and so on. Alright, now I'm going to find another clip because, you know, that's the way this, um, this episode is going to roll. I've just decided that. Um, now, uh, Jimi Hendrix did die, you know, and, uh, and then someone came backstage. Little Richard was actually doing a show that night and they caught him on the hop and he was just sitting on a table backstage, Little Richard, in his full regalia, and uh, someone's bailed him up and asked him if he's got anything to say about Little Richard, uh, sorry, about Jimi Hendrix having died. And Little Richard, of course, made it all about himself. And I'll just Google that, because I know it's in here somewhere. Little Richard, Jimi Hendrix. I know if you just Google things like that, it comes up. It, the, you know, the fact that we've got the internet now is amazing. When I was a kid, I waited, I don't know how many weeks for, um, or first, for a Buddy Holly record to come into my local shop, which is, you know, sort of a dinky supermarket in Lansfield where I was growing up. Uh, you know, you had to wait for weeks. Um, I was a Little Richard fan then, in my teenage years, and I didn't know. There were a lot of his songs I didn't know, because how would you even know them? You only ever got to know anything that happened to be on the radio, which would be normally their four biggest songs, you know, whoever they were. I didn't, you know, and Elvis, he was the king. Um, and, you know, I didn't know. There were a lot of Elvis songs I didn't know. How would I actually find out? How would I actually get to hear most of Elvis's songs? You just couldn't. You know, my mum and dad had a couple of Elvis records, and that, you knew those, and you knew whatever, and you knew whatever they played on the radio. Same goes for Little Richard. You know, I, I, um, I think I, I don't know, I don't think I ordered it. I think I had to wait for weeks and weeks. You know, you'd want to hear a song. It's a little bit like if you want to, if you want to hear a, an album by someone they, these days, it just drops. That's the term they use. You know, Beyonce. You know, drops a new album. Boom. You know, oh, I want to listen to that click. And you just listen to it right then, there and then, on the spot. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, but when I was young, my first record that I ever got and bought with my own money was Buddy Holly. Greatest Hits. I always went for the greatest hits because I hadn't even heard all the greatest hits of each of the, you know, of these, uh, you know, rock stars. And uh, after that, I went for... Little Richard's greatest hits, and then on and on I went. Everly Brothers, you know, Elvis, Rockin' On. You know, I used to love that album. Still got it. Still got all these albums, records, you know. But anyway, now that we've got the internet, I can get stuff like this. A backstage interview with Little Richard upon the occasion of Jimi Hendrix dying. You couldn't, you couldn't get that stuff when I was young. Uh, the wonders of the internet. Let's listen to it. I just get to listen to it just like that. It's amazing. Uh, right, I'll press the buttons. And here we go. Um, you know, silence. He was a star. 
when he when I got him, he was a star. Sly told you that everybody is a star. The only problem is some people haven't been put in the dipper and pulled back on the world. That's what the answer is. That's what the answer. You got to be placed into the dipper and pulled back down on the world, and then men will see your good works and glorify God Jehovah. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix could play that rock and roll. I used to be singing rock and roll. We know what he did. He sacked him. He hated him. <laughs> Little Richard is full of shit. There is no doubt about that. All right, let's move on with the rest of this episode. Uh, but that was, you know, that was my way of just getting started. He makes me laugh. Um, with people who are a force of nature, and Little Richard was one of those, yeah, they're not just an Elvis. They're not an Elvis. You know, someone like him is not an Elvis. <laughs> He's an entertainer. You know, Little Richard, I mean, sorry, Elvis. He was just a pretty boy didn't write his own songs even, you know. Little Richard wrote his own songs. Um, uh, someone like Little Richard is a force of nature, you know. Whereas Little Richard, um, and, and he, he died, you know, he's only just died, 87. Um, Elvis wasn't strong enough. He didn't have the life force enough. You know, when it got a bit tough, he just ate burgers until he died. Uh, got fat. I remember the moment when Elvis died. Uh, very similar to this moment now, you know, in which I've just found out that little Richard has died. Look, it's, this is one of those moments for a rock and roll fan. Um, last night at midnight is when I found out little Richard died. Uh, it popped up on my news feed. That's the modern way, you know what I mean? And uh, But when Elvis died, you had to find out the next day because... Yeah, again, in Lancefield, um, you, yeah, I went down to get the morning bread uh, from Markham's Bakery, and uh, they used to have those wire frames outside the milk bar, and uh, all the wire frames, you know, that's for the age and the sun, you know, at the time, uh, the king is dead, in big black letters, and I'd, I'd been anticipating that too, you know, because I, I'd read an article not too long before Elvis died, a big centre, you know, like, uh, um, centre spread, there was a big article, fat, 40, and finished. I remember the headline to this day, it's amazing. 
you know, and I, I can calculate I would have been 13. You know, fat, 40, and finished. Actually, I would have been 11 or 12. I know that. You know, because that article was when he turned 40, which I, just to guess, is about 74. You know, I can't remember his date of birth. I remember uh, little Richard's date of birth easy all the time. Uh, so 5th of December, 1932, because I use that as my birthday uh, here, there, and everywhere online when I'm going incognito. I always go incognito. This podcast is incognito because it's under a fake name. I do everything under a fake name because it's not about me. I'm actually, I actually am the opposite of Little Richard, but that doesn't mean I'm not fascinated by someone like Little Richard. I am. I don't want to be him. I want to see him, but I don't, you know, I don't want to be him. <laughs> um, so that's that. Um, I'd hate to have his lifestyle. All right, so, um, yeah, I remember when Elvis died, and now I remember when Little Richard died, and that was last night. And um, I pressed record on this podcast last night at midnight, uh, at the very moment that Little Richard died, and I made some audio about that, and that's coming up much later now, because I'm adding these pieces of audio on to the episode um, yeah, afterwards, the next day. Today is the next day. All right. Now, I did that before about an hour ago, so let's listen to that one too, see, see what I make of that. I'm just trying to find the right buttons to press on this iPad. Ah, yes, do you remember this one? Uh, Little Richard. Uh, Foolishly, the people behind the Grammys, you know, the Grammy Awards, um, asked Little Richard to come out out as a guest and present a Grammy. Little Richard had never won a Grammy. And he was giving a Grammy here. He was being asked to give a Grammy to somebody else who was, in his mind, a nobody. Typically, for Little Richard, he made it all about himself. You know, when you come out, it's etiquette to um, big the other person up. Not big yourself up, big the other person up. But he, the force of nature that was Little Richard, it had to be all about himself. He was the Donald Trump of his time. He was the Donald Trump of the rock and roll world, you know. But let's have a listen to that. I'll press all the buttons. Um... And I, I never make this smooth, but um, now he came out with some other guy, who uh, or Buster Poindexter, who who has you know disappeared into history too. But Little Richard, he makes everything all about himself. That's his nature, and it's that's what got him out of the gutter and to the top of the world. You know, I'm, I actually I'm amazed by people like that. Like I had it, I had every opportunity in the world. I'm just meandering through life, I am. But, you know, here's a guy who was born, you know, on the scrap heap. He shouldn't have made it. And yet he did. What is that life force that, you know, has some people dragging themselves up from nowhere and becoming the king of the world? There's been plenty of them, you know, like Napoleon. Some people had a good start, of course. You know, Alexander the Great, you know, or Julius Caesar. Oh, Julius Caesar, he had to work his way up. But, you know, Alexander the Great, you know, he had every advantage. Little Richard had none, you know. Okay, well, Alexander the Great shouldn't be discounted anyway. He had every advantage and then took it higher than that. <laughs> Alexander, you know, he, he was, um, 
He was probably the biggest rock star in history on one level. All right. Um, poor old, you know, and I feel sorry for um, the, you know, this buster, Poindexter, who has been asked to come out with Little Richard. You do not share a stage with Little Richard. You know, a lot of people have learned that in history. He has to make it all about himself. A little bit like Donald Trump, really. Okay, here we go. You know who he is, ladies and gentlemen, the great buster, Poindexter, and the one and only... The volume is too soft, of course, but... Good morning. Oh, I cut that off. Being a blind Jew from Georgia, I had to get that in. That's what he says there. Anyway, um, you could work that out if you knew. Uh, now, um, you don't have to tell the truth, you know. Um, so that's little Richard turning everything around and making it all about himself. He's horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Okay, now a little bit more audio coming up. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take my time. I don't care if this takes hours. Excuse that aeroplane. That's taken off from Essendon Airport. I speak about Essendon Airport later uh, because uh, little Richard once upon a time was on an aeroplane heading out from Essendon Airport and he and as a result of that little trip you know, to Sydney as it turned out I think it was um, he, he, and coincidentally at the same time as that trip he turned the rock and roll world uh, on its head uh, by giving it away for, for Jesus he did that here in Australia. But I mention that because it was Little Richard that blew my introduction away. He did that last night by dropping dead. I did not expect that. I thought he was going to go to a hundred, you know. Uh, but he didn't, and he hasn't. Uh, 
But last night, and this is how he blew it away, last night I, you know, I said to myself, ah, oh, come on, let's start this new podcast. And I, I, I started speaking and within seconds of starting my new podcast, which is this one, you know, Charlie Threadbow, episode 210 onwards. That's what this one is called. The previous one was called Charlie Threadbow, episodes 1 to 209. Don't bother looking for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but last night, just as I was speaking, yeah, beginning to speak my introduction, it was within seconds, you know. And this is me as a lifetime, a lifelong fan, if you could call it that, you know, of Little Richard. You know, I'm a fan of Little Richard. Um, he horrifies me. Well, he always has horrified me. But, yeah, he's a car crash for me. I couldn't look away. Um, he started rock. Yeah. Now, um, but last night, just as I was beginning my introduction, I was going to go waffle, 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 you know, what I, you know, something like what I just said, you know, oh, this is a new podcast and, you know, I had another podcast, you know, don't bother listening to that old podcast, listen to this one, actually don't even listen to this one, you know, all the stuff I usually say. Um, and just as I was starting, and the timing is amazing, you know, it's a whole year of doing podcasts. And within seconds of starting, you know, in my previous podcast, uh, you know, a whole year of doing episodes, um, and within seconds, and within seconds of starting my next podcast, a little news flash came up on my phone, Little Richards, and I actually missed it. You know, it was about midnight, and, uh, you know, and, and, well, the rest is history. I'll describe that in a minute. Um, but, uh, just as I, you know, because it's the next morning now and, uh, you know, I waffled on about little Richard waxing lyrical, waxing nostalgic, you know, and, um, a bit nostalgic, uh, uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, I, it was late at night and I kept speaking till about 1am or one, I think I started speaking, I don't know when it was, it was in the middle of the night, um, and, uh, you know, as, as something of an introduction to that, which I spoke last night, which was, which ended up something like a eulogy on the spot within an hour of him dying, uh, I'll, I'll lead into that with a couple of what you might call favourite memories or, um, of Little Richard. Now, the first one was my dad you know i was sitting in my father's panel shop uh and you know he was uh, poking fun at me you know for all the things i do and all the things i like and um and he often used to uh well actually shitster (laughs) you know that's my dad and he said anyway you know because i was talking about little richard at that moment and he said i went and saw him i said yeah yeah he said, I did. I said, yeah, sure you did, you know. He's, he was always making up stuff like that. And I said, what was he wearing? You know, when you went and saw him. Because he had, Little Richard had been to Melbourne, you see. I knew that. I knew a lot about Little I know a lot about Little Richard, you know. Um, I know a lot about a lot of things. No, I don't. I'm only, only joking. I don't know much about quantum physics. <laughs> um, 
And he said, he's wearing yellow pyjamas. I said, far out. You did go and see him, did you? He said, yeah, of course I did. And, and it turns out he did. You know, he knew a lot of detail about the concert because little Richard was wearing yellow pyjamas. <laughs> well, it was a yellow jumpsuit or something. Canary yellow. He was dressed up like a canary. I already knew that when he came to Melbourne. Uh, this is in 1957. This sort of thing blew people's minds. Yeah. He was like a, an alien rock star from outer space. Um, and our local newspapers here screamed, you know. Um, Negro screamer! <laughs> uh, well, these, these were wonderfully racist times, you know. But, um, you know... He he blew everyone's minds anyway, um, and he toured with Johnny O'Keefe. You know, Johnny O'Keefe is the wild one, and Johnny O'Keefe, you know, m was moulded in the rock style along Little Richard lines. There's a whole stream of rock and roll that's kind of the Little Richard stream, uh, which is the rock stream, not the rock and roll stream, and not the country rock stream which is elvis you know and not the um the uh doo-wop you know stream you know, which was a, quite a lot of them and not the sort of um ballad stream which was like everly brothers uh and not so much the backbeat stream which was chuck berry but uh little richard i don't mind saying or claiming invented rock you know, because all the rockers of the future, and that's the Beatles, even though they were backbeat, but you know, and the, you know, they 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 um, it, well, they were eclectic. You know, they reached into all the styles, uh, the Beatles, and then uh, created their own styles, of course. You know, so they were one out of the box. But um, look, um, Little Richard blew their minds. He blew a lot of people's minds. Yeah. David Bowie, you know, ACDC, all these people, you know, they always said, they all said, you know, even Bob Dylan, he, he started off wanting to be a Negro screamer, if you like, you know, to quote the age, um, and so on and so forth, you know. The Rolling Stones, you know, like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles were uh, Little Richard's backing bands. Um, and Jimi Hendrix was in, rock, in Little Richard's band. Um, look, he was the biggest thing around at the time. Um, and uh, Freddie Mercury from Queen, you know, all these people, they didn't want to be Elvis. Like, if you look at their styles, all these people, you know, they were in the rock stream. They were uh, sending, uh, they were raising a riot in a rock sense, not a Chuck Berry sense, you know. Chuck Berry was safe on stage. He didn't raise a riot. Oh, Elvis, he would... I, I discount Elvis. You know, I don't think he's going to survive, per se, um, as, uh, you know, he was huge, of course, and he'll always be huge. Everyone will be always watching Elvis movies. But the rock stream is the one that's really taken off. Um, rock and roll, straight rock and roll, kind of died. It dated really quickly. But Little Richard's stream went through the roof, you know, and morphed. Yeah, you know, Elvis was in a bubble, you know. 
he became Elvis and then he died and that was the end of Elvis, you know. Um, but Little Richard's stream uh, morphed into rock as we know it. Um, the driving beat, you know, forget the backbeat, just boom, 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 you know, scream it out, you know. And, and that morphed into heavy metal and all sorts of things and the rest is history. But he was a horrendous sort of character. Think Donald Trump, except in, in an unleashed rock way. And you've got little Richard, uh, an outrageous ego. Outrageous. But then, you know, one might say that he needed that ego to drag himself up from the wrong side of the tracks. You see, he was a, uh, he was, look, uh, he was, uh, just a second, he was a, um, no, just a second, he was, I was, uh, I just had to attend to something there, he was a, um, alright, he was black at the worst possible time in history, well, not quite the worst, uh, you know, but in the 1930s, he grew up. Uh, he was disabled, uh, had a club foot. He had a huge head. Like, it was wrong how big that head was. And he knew it, you know. He, he turned everything into an advantage, though, somehow, which was great, you know. He said, I'm the biggest head there ever was. I've got the biggest head. He said that, you know. Um, and, um, and he was... Uh, Every kind of sexuality, uh, yeah, off the leash on that front. He was LGBTQIA plus and a few others as well. Um, he, there was no acronym for all of that. I, I mentioned that in the episode coming up, which I recorded last night. But this is kind of a summary of what I said last night. But I was very tired last night. Um, uh, there was no word for all of that, you know, because this is a time when it was illegal even, you know, being gay in a lot of places. Look, it still is in some places. Um, and, uh, you know, and he, he didn't have a word for what he was. Uh, but, you know, he came up with a lot of words, you know. Uh, he called himself the Georgia Peach and all this sort of stuff, you know. Um, and... Uh, and he described himself as omnivorous. Uh, now, a couple of favourite moments, and I was kind of getting on to that, was uh, he was, he, um, he, you couldn't go on after little Richard. Um, and um, one time he was outraged because Jerry Lee Lewis got to go on after him. So what he did was um, when Jerry Lee Lewis started his set, after Little Richard had been on and raised a riot, Jerry Lee Lewis was gone by then anyway, uh, what he did was he came down the steps from the back door of the hall, all dressed up as a queen, you know, Cleopatra style, and... Um, made a huge entrance, well, Queen of Sheba style, and destroyed Jerry Lee Lewis's set.
you can tell the Little Richard songs. You know, which ones are the Little Richard songs at where? As most Australian families spend more time at home, we may not be getting our usual vitamin D intake. Microgenics Vitamin D3 helps with calcium absorption to support bone strength. You'll find... I won't even bother editing that out. Um, you can tell uh, Little Richard songs at weddings because they're not normally played. Uh, that one had a bit of a backbeat, uh, long tall something, but you won't get Lucille being played at a wedding, uh, for example, because they're not suited to weddings. You know, these days, you get old people um, doing 50s rock and roll dancing. I hate it. You know, I just hate it. Uh, because it's an insult to rock and roll, all of that. Rock and roll is youth music. It's not old people music. Um, it, it, when old people get together and do rock and roll dancing and, you know, the whole Bobby Sox thing. Look, I didn't even like Happy Days, you know, the way that um, rock and roll was presented in that. You know, very safe sort of thing. Look, there would have been that whole stream back then, but that wouldn't have been the stream of rock and roll I liked. You know, there was a whole underground stream and uh, Little Richard was at the head of that. And, and um, that Long Tall Sally there is my favourite Little Richard song, but Lucille is the one that I think started rock. Not rock and roll, but rock. Uh, because everything was on the beat and there was no backbeat. You know? um, now I'll put Lucille on, just give me a second. I'm not bothering with clever editing or anything like that. And when I'm playing these songs, they're just straight off my iPad with the iPhone right next to the iPad. It's not about the sound quality. Yeah. Okay. Lucille. Little Richard. Now, this one was remarkable, this song, I think, um, because um, on a whim, he said, and I mentioned this in an episode, in the rest of the episode coming up, which you don't have to listen to now, uh, because this is something of a summary. Um, he said to his band, everyone on the beat, you know, and, and I think this is this, you know, he was searching for more drive, 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 you know, more driving rock and roll, which became rock, you know, here it comes, look, there's probably an ad, you just have to live with that, because I can't be bothered editing. Turn snacking upside down with Chobani Flip, now on special at Coles. Okay, here it comes.
was not in sight. I asked my friends about it, but all the list was cut through the comments against these videos on the uh on the on youtube you know uh, i lost it now but um on that previous one i saw someone say when i listen to little Ri i don't listen to little richard too much but when i do my neighbors do too <laughs> i just imagined he was an american or <laughs> whoever wrote that all right now that's that um end of you know sort of eulogy uh and um Yes, as I say, I'll, you know, coming up is the stuff I spoke last night, but it's really not worth listening to because I've made a summary now, haven't I? But I'll leave it there for posterity because it was the audio I made in the moment when, you know, within an hour of him dying by the sound of it, you know, apparently. Okay, on to the other stuff. Oh, look, I'll put one more song on and then we'll have that because, you know, who's in a hurry? Uh, Little Richard isn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jenny, Jenny. You know, that's my um, another favourite. Uh, Richard. I like the ones that are driving rock. Um, Richard. That's why I'm not that big on Tutti Fruity because it's still the old style. Bit of a backbeat and all that sort of stuff. Look, it was a wild breakout song, no doubt. Uh, but I like these ones that are just, you know, punch, punch, punch. Last one and then I'll get on to my other episode. I'm in no hurry. Here it comes. Jenny, 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 won't you come along with me? Jenny, 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 won't you come along with me? Jenny, 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 you know that I love, we can live so happily.
that you sort of say to yourself oh, you should have really done another take you know you only half got it right <laughs> but i like that better the songs are overproduced now um i like that better <laughs> right at the end there he was sort of losing it but that's okay you know it's better <laughs> i remember on long tall sally I, I saw a clip where he was um he uh, he had to do take five or something or take three i think it was take three and they said, no, do it again, Richard, you know, take three. And he said, oh, come on, <laughs> three takes. <laughs> you know? And this is a song that was, supposed, you know, that was going to define a generation. And he's angry that it was three takes. Now, these days, you know, I mentioned it in the episode coming up, you've got 15 writers for a song, you know, a Beyonce song or something, and you've got 45 producers and um, the musicians never even meet each other. It's that highly produced that all the rawness has been taken out of it. It's lost all its spontaneity, you know. And, and I mentioned it later. And this song that I'm imagining, you know, that's got 15 writers, or however many writers, it's only got four words in it. <laughs> and that's the way it's done now. And I do mention that I like a lot of songs now too. Yeah, they are definitely better produced. Uh, all right, uh, so that's that. Um, like I said, don't listen to the, the bit coming up, but I'm leaving it there just for my own purposes, you know, my own posterity, because I managed to accidentally record it, you know, I think within an hour of him dying. Uh, okay, that's all. It's late at night and all through the house. Kids are sleeping. Just a second. I just saw something come through on my news feed about little Richard. Now, I didn't expect that. Um, you know how that little thing pops down at the top of your phone? Uh, I've been worried about him, actually, uh, because he's, he's close to 90, and coronavirus has gone nuts in America, and, you know, you've got to keep an eye out for your rock stars. Uh, but I can never find... Um, articles, you know, I get a little flash come up. Was it on the BBC? Hang on. You get a, f a flash come up on your phone saying some news is there, but then you can't find it when you go into your news app. Oh, oh well. Yeah, hang on. Let me just Google Little Richard just to make sure. Uh, because uh, he needs to go to 100. Little Richard... News. Here we go. Little Richard News. Uh, Little Richard, founding father of rock, who broke musical barrier. It's happened. Oh, 
My goodness. I did not plan this. Um, I'm a, I'm a little Richard fan. Uh, this is really hot off the press. He's died at 87. How about that? Uh, okay. Now let's read this. Rolling Stone. Um, all right. Now this is amazing for me, not for you. Now this, uh, look, this is a whole new podcast. I'm making, um, and I intended to do an introduction. Look, how about that? Well, 44 minutes ago, by the look of it, 51 minutes ago, uh, one hour ago. Okay, but it just flashed. How about that? Just when I was starting my entire new podcast, um, you have no idea unless you've listened to all my podcasts and read everything I've ever written, how much I've said about and written about Little Richard. Um, all right. The introduction to this new podcast I'm making is officially cancelled. Uh, we'll talk about Little Richard instead. Okay, I can see, you know, I, I, I just now... Google Little Richard News. Uh, let's put it this way. Uh, for his 80th birthday, uh, there was we had a pizza restaurant called Little Richard's and uh, my goddaughter and I, uh, I, I took her down there and we had a pizza for Little Richard's 80th birthday and obviously that was you know seven years ago plus more. Um, I have an alias called Richard Pennyman um, I wonder what he died of. I've actually been thinking that there was a chance that he would die of um, coronavirus, you know. Now, this does mean that Jerry Lee Lewis has outlived him. Uh, all right. Um, look, I'll probably say not too much more about it. But, you know, look. Yes, this introduction is definitely cancelled. Um, Little Richard was an outrageous ego. The closest link I've got to him is that when I was about... No, no, before I was born, actually, he came to Melbourne, here in Melbourne, in 1957, uh, I think it was. Um... Now, by my calculations, my father was ground crew at Essendon Airport at the time. And little Richard hopped on an aeroplane uh, from Essendon Airport heading north. He was going to Sydney and then on to Newcastle. Um, I made a, pilgr a pilgrimage to Newcastle. Uh, to um, he, he caught a ferry. When he got to Newcastle after having left Essendon here... I live in Essendon, by the way, right near the airport. Um, <clears throat> he was catching a ferry uh, across the Hunter River. And uh, there's a bridge there now, so uh, I went over the bridge. Oh, look, I was working in Newcastle that day anyway. And um, halfway across the, the Hunter, he essentially, effectively dropped to his knees and... Gave up rock and roll, you know. 
threw it all away, literally, because he threw, he took his rings off. You know, rock stars like Fats Domino, Little Richard, Elvis, you know, they had rings, you know, what people would call bling these days. And he, he took off, you know, what were expensive rings and threw them in the river, in the Hunter River here in Australia. And um, you know, this is probably the first eulogy on Little, Rich, Little Richard right now. Uh, he's only been dead an hour, I reckon. You know, I'm going to have to keep his uh, legacy alive with my alias, you know, Richard Pennyman, my alias. Um, anyway, and he gave up rock and roll. He was with... Uh, he was with... Um, 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 I went and saw him once uh, at High Point. Um, she wears my ring. Johnny O'Keefe. He was with Johnny O'Keefe's band at the time, and they witnessed it, you know, and he threw his rings into the river, and he, he left rock and roll for good uh, and became a preacher. He left rock and roll for Jesus. Now, why did he do that? Well, when he was leaving, look, it probably was on his mind, but he was at the top of his game at that time. Um, and he was the king of rock and roll on one level. Look, he started rock. Analyzed the song Lucille by Little Richard. He had everyone running on the beat. And everyone was in ba into backbeat then. Uh, but he had everything running on the beat. And, you know, I kind of think that that was the very first rock song. Uh, Lucille, it's got no backbeat. It's just driving rock. It's not rock and roll. Rock and roll, you know. Um, rock and roll has a backbeat. Rock and roll is... Um, a metaphor for sex, you know, for what it's worth, you know. Um, and, uh, but Lucille was not rock and roll. It was hard driving rock. I think it was the first rock song. And I think it was almost on a whim that little Richard said to his band, everyone on the beat, no backbeat, you know. Bass, drums, guitar, his singing all on the beat, you know. And, and I think that was the start of rock. Uh, yeah, and that kind of led to heavy rock and heavy metal and everything else, you know. Um, now, uh, little Richard, um, he hopped on an aeroplane here in Essendon. Uh, he had played at Festival Hall. Uh, and my father was there, you know. I was at my dad's factory. And already, you know, like I'm a bit of an expert on little Richard, you can ask me anything. Um... And uh, it was my second record that I ever bought was Little Richard's Greatest Hits. Um, it was a KTEL special or something, you know. What was it? I forget the exact... I've got it still. Um, I, I bought uh, Buddy Holly first and then Little Richard and then Everly Brothers were my first three records. Um, but anyway, um, and then Buddy Holly was a sort of... It opened up like a double album, but it was only a single album. Um... Anyway, he jumped on an aeroplane in Essendon. He's a, he's a crazy man in a way. Uh, he, he had a hard childhood. You know, look, a lot, a lot of people did. Do you know he was born uh, least likely to succeed in a way? He was born dirt poor, with a disability. He had a club fort. Um, this is why he couldn't dance. He was kind of ostracised from the soul community. He tried to do soul music, you know, in, in, at the start of his career, but I don't think in the African-American um, sort of musical community, you're, if you can't dance through some disability or something, you're ostracised, you're not allowed to 
have soul. You know, you, you are declared to have no soul. Um, in, you know, like James Brown could dance, you know. Little Richard used to say, well, James Brown, James Brown is not as pretty as me, you know. Uh, Little Richard did that whole rhyming slang thing, you know, the, the Muhammad Ali type thing, but he did it before Muhammad Ali. He actually sang at Muhammad Ali's 50th birthday. That's Googleable. That's, that's actually a ripper version of uh, Good Golly Miss Molly that he did. Um, he would, Look, he was gay as a row of ten. He, 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 look, he was early LGBTQI plus everything else. Little Richard, he liked to watch as well. He um he was an outrageous person. He's one of those rock stars I wouldn't want to meet. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't like to get to know him. I think he'd be impossible. Uh, but he fascinated me as a teenager. He fascinated a lot of skinny, white boys. You know, um, you know, I mean, mentioning a few. Um, you know, David Bowie, for example, I think was very similar to me. The only difference between me and someone like David Bowie is David Bowie had talent and went on to be successful, you know. But he, David Bowie and I, very similar in our teens, uh, gobsmacked at just the sight of this sort of alien rock star from outer space, you know, this um, kind of freak of nature. And he was, and he made himself that way. Um, look, he had two accents. He, he spoke with that African-American jive when he wanted to. Uh, you know, when he was putting it on, but at other times he could speak, you know, he would speak like Elvis, uh, with, all, you know, with what I would call normal grammar, you know, but then he'd bung on the African-American jive when, you know, he knew the cameras were on. Uh, a lot of African-Americans are like that, I think. They have to, they are able to, to speak with two different accents. Anyway, um... Little Richard, he um, he uh, he jumped on an aeroplane here at Essendon. I hope it wasn't my father who was maintaining that car, that um, that aeroplane on that occasion. But the point is, when that aeroplane took off, the engine started to run rough. It glowed red hot. Now there are a couple of things at play at the same time. Uh, Sputnik was about at the same time. And uh, little Richard was already a bit frightened that that thing was going to land on his head. You know, he thought the end was nigh. He was brought up in a, a sort of um, in a fundamentalist preacher family. His father was a preacher, you know, and, and his father did reject him. You know, because uh, I think there were twelve kids in the family, but little Richard was the freak. You know, he liked to wear his hair high. And put makeup on and all that sort of stuff, um, and um, he idolised—I forget the name of the guy—but another guy in the community that was like that. Look, he was preyed upon by older men in the community in quite disgusting ways. But that's a whole other story. He was born least likely to be able to ever break out of his position in society. He was dirt poor. He was black. Uh, at the worst possible time to be black. Well, not the worst possible time, but a pretty bad time. You know, the 1930s. You know, he grew up in the 1930s into the 40s. He started, I think his first record, 1941, you know. Um, uh, and, you know, he was LGBTQI and everything else. Uh, but he, there was no such term as, you know, 
this acronym didn't exist then, LGBTQ and all that sort of stuff, you know, QIA and all that sort of thing. Um, Little Richard described himself as omnivorous, just one word, you know. He thought that sort of covered it all. Um, but someone like Little Richard was, a, uh, was an eye-opener. Uh, you didn't want to be him, but you were, you couldn't, he was like a train wreck, a car crash, you know, to... Um, he was amazing, you know, to me as a teenager. I've never seen, I have never seen anything like it, you know. Um, you know, grew up in a small town and all that sort of stuff, and just the, just the, just hearing. You didn't even have to see him; just listening to him. You listen, yeah, you know, long tall Sally, and it's unleashed. Like, there's lots of heavy metal and every style of music now, but back then, something like this had never been heard before. You know, whether it be you know tutti frutti, you know. Uh, that was the one that you know really just uh, brought the you know, brought the roof down, brought the whole house down on rock and roll. Uh, little Richard, he couldn't be the king of rock and roll because he was black at the wrong time, um, uh, and um, you know we needed someone singing black music who was white before we would accept that person to be as the king of rock and roll. Now, uh, you know, I think Little Richard was uh, bigger than Elvis in, in his own way. Um, and had there not been a, a racism angle to it, you know, I think he would have been the king of rock and roll. Uh, he was breaking new ground in a way that Elvis wasn't. Um, Elvis was just a pretty boy um, singing other people's songs. Um... Little Richard was writing his own songs and carving out a new style himself, you know. And Little Richard was just slotting into a sort of, you know, just a pretty boy, uh, a front man, a pretty front man, you know. Um, anyway, so anyway, this engine in this plane uh, that Little Richard jumped on here in Essendon, where I am right now, uh, was uh, glowed orange hot. Yeah. And as I said, there was this whole Sputnik thing going on at the same time. Or was it Skylab? No, it was Sputnik. Oh, look, I get mixed up. It was one of those early satellites, you know. And people didn't know where it was going to be landing. It was it was coming down back to Earth. And, um, and you know, the Earth's a big place. And it was most likely to drop in a desert or on the ocean or something. But, you know, everyone imagined it was going to, you know. People don't do the math. You know, right now, if someone said, listen, a sat we've got a satellite and we're bringing it back to Earth and it's going to land somewhere, um, you know, if you had an outrageous ego, you would think it was going to land on your head. Now, little Richard had, I can say had because he's suddenly dead, he had an outrageous ego and he was convinced that, you know, it was going to land on his head and this aeroplane that he was in right now was going to crash. Actually, that was a possibility and I think that aeroplane which was not an Australian aeroplane. Uh, I think that one did crash and killed people later on. Um, you know, but little Richard, you know, he thought, no, you know, because he had been brought up in you know, a fundamentalist Christian way. He, look, you know what was interesting about him? He, um, he, uh, he, was the, he had God raging with the devil in his head, you know, extant, there is a clip of him as a preacher because he turned into a preacher, you know, a registered certified preacher after he gave up rock and roll in 1957 here in Australia. Uh, 
and and he's, he's you know there's footage of him screaming to himself I was a homosexual I was a homosexual and he was hating himself he was almost attacking himself you know as he was speaking this thing um anyway so uh look he thought he was going to die and he thought nope I'm giving up rock and roll at the height of his career by the way um that's not done very often where someone just throws it all away and um and he ended up in Newcastle and he had a gig in Newcastle. Now, I've been to the airfield there. You know, it's a, um, a, a RAAF base as well. It doubles as an RAAF base. So, you know, even now when you go there, I've been there a few times, flown in there. Um, the airport's quite a way away from the town of Newcastle. Uh, you have to say Newcastle, by the way. You know, down here in Victoria, you say Castlemaine. Right, um, but up there you say Newcastle. Yeah. Um, uh, now, um, and yes, he gave up rock and roll, cancelled the gig, and all that sort of stuff. Um, all right, so that's that. Now, look, as I said, you know, there was something about him that amazed. Usually, skinny. I don't know why skinny, white boys. You know, Bob Dylan, for example, you know, he started out wanting to be Little Richard. Um, the Beatles. You know, John and Paul, both of them. You know, the Beatles. Uh, every, every concert they ever did, I think. Now, now, that's a big call. And I need to check that. I'm, look, I'm a Beatles fan as well, but every song, the, every time the Beatles did, they always finished with Long Tall Sally. Because Long Tall Sally... Blew Their Minds. That's a Little Richard song. Um, a Little Richard... Uh, Long Tall Sally is my favourite Little Richard song. I really... Own, I like only about th- three Little Richard songs. And it sounds amazing that I could be obsessed with Little Richard all my life, really. Um, and really like only three of his songs as standout songs. And those three songs don't even include Tutti Frutti. You know, I'm a bit over Tutti Frutti. I was over Tutti Frutti after I'd heard it two or three times, you know. Um, but Long Tall Sally, I never get sick of that. Oh. Good Golly, Miss Molly, which he didn't even write. I like that. He wrote a lot of songs, by the way, but he didn't write that one. And Jenny Jenny, I love Jenny Jenny. Great song. It's just full on, you know. Um, I don't think you were... Like, you could scour YouTube, for example, and get clips of Little Richard. And I don't think you really get to see the real Little Richard very often. You see him a couple of times in a few early interviews where he's speaking nicely and all that sort of stuff. But most of the time, he's bunging it on, you know, until eventually you can't work out which is the real Little Richard, you know. He he, he turns into a parody of himself, a little bit like um, Elvis does, you know. Um, where, where does the real Little Richard stop and the, the, the act start? You know? Look, he was an outrageous person, um, but fascinating. You know? um, you know, there were others, uh, the boys from ACDC, uh, Bon Scott, Angus Young. Um, bon Scott couldn't, just couldn't believe uh, this... Uh, just the sound, you know, just the sound of Little Richard. He said, I want to be like that. You know, Jimi Hendrix, for example, who was in Little Richard's band, 
before he broke through and became famous himself. But, you know, little Richard and uh, Jimmy. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I'll just stop that for a second. Uh, Look, I got interrupted just then because uh, I'm in the back room. My wife came through, so I just let her know. Um, And, you know, obviously she was... uh, sort of shocked and amazed, you know, because, you know, my kids will be too. My kids are unusual because they'd be the only kids in their school who know all about who Little Richard is and Buddy Holly and all the rest of them. Look, I could talk for hours about Little Richard as a long, extended eulogy here, uh, but I won't bother, Uh, you know, I've spoken for hours about Little Richard before. I don't need to anymore. Um, uh, but, you know, what I would say is if you were to Google uh, anything about Little Richard, um, Google Little Richard Paris 1966. Because I thought that was, that's about, that was a glimpse of what I think was. There was a glimpse of Little Richard at his, at his happy, happiest, you know. Now, he's in some club in Paris at the time, and he hasn't got his high hair on. And he hasn't got his makeup. Well, look, he might have a bit of makeup on, but he just, he, he isn't all dressed up like a queen, you know, because, you know, some people accused him of, you know, but some people wondered whether he was the king of rock and roll, and... You know, and then, you know, even he would say, well, <laughs> you know, Elvis was the king of rock and roll, but I was the king and the queen, you know. Um, yeah. But this was before LGBTQIA and all that sort of stuff was even possible. And, and I, I think you can over-speak about that angle anyway. It wasn't the biggest angle. Yeah, he camped it up sometimes and sometimes he didn't. You know? But, um, yeah, it'd be a mistake to talk too much about you know, the sexuality side of things. Um, it was more about the rock and roll for sure, you know. Um, but the most interesting thing, probably you know, the thing that fascinated me about uh, Little Richard, uh, you know, is um, and and there were other little skinny white boys too, um, you know, Lemmy Clemister from Metallica, for example, you know, he um, always said that Little Richard was his first idol. You know what I mean? Um, I could go on and on with a lot of rock stars. Um, yeah. And uh, um, anyway, I won't go on and on and on. But that 1966, uh, I think, I think it, it comes across as a bit of a gay club, uh, and you know I'm not trying to over speak about that, but it just does. Um, I don't know what it was. Oh, he did make a comeback, by the way. Um, he left rock and roll, and then he came back worse than ever. You know, he became a preacher for uh, six years. And then the Beatles broke and and they nominated Little Richard as, you know, the one that freaked them out the most. And suddenly he was famous again because everyone who was, uh, by 1961, 62, you know, rock and roll was dead in America. Yeah. Rock, and, you know, roll, rock and roll had descended into um, middle of the road, you know, boredom, you know, Rubber ball, you know, uh, Bobby V, and this sort of stuff, you know. 
um, rock and roll was dead. And, you know, conservative America had one and killed it off. And everyone who had been a rock and roller uh, was on the heap by then. Even Elvis, you know, even Elvis. You know, and he was condemned to doing these forgettable movies forever, you know. But rock and roll was dead. Um, but unbeknown to America, um, in the back streets of England... Rock and roll was on fire. Um, and America didn't even realise this. They thought it, you know, that was just a, a little passing fad that had happened in the 50s. And America wasn't, didn't realise um, that the thing, the fire, you know, an ember had left the shores of America um, and gone across to England, you know, to the back streets of Liverpool and all these places, um, Manchester and all that sort of stuff, and out of the whole, you know, post-war skiffle type of atmosphere there, it was mean and it was edgy and, uh, you know, young blokes were hungry and... Um, not hungry in the poor sort of way, but, you know, it was rough. And, you know, the Beatles came from a rough area. They were rough boys. They were more rough than uh, the Rolling Stones, as rough as, you know, the Rolling Stones uh, tried to make themselves look, you know, later. But the, um, the Beatles were very edgy and hard and heavy and sort of mean rock and roll band in their time. Uh, and they very much modelled themselves in their style on Little Richard and not Elvis. You know, they admire Elvis was God, don't, don't get me wrong, but um, Little Richard's style was to create mayhem. He could, um, he was electrifying, he was a shaman. He, um, you know, people talk about Rosa Parks, you know, refusing, you know, refusing to um, sit at the back of the bus. Um, and, you know, people like that are famous, you know, uh, for, you know, in the civil rights movement and all that sort of stuff. So you get Martin Luther King and all this sort of stuff. And they were important, all those people. Um, but Little Richard was different. He wasn't trying to do all that, you know. But he was lighting a fire. He was lighting fires, uh, the nature of which, you know, uh, that Elvis wasn't. Um, for example, he... Um, uh, he would have an audience, you know, and it was segregated and the white kids would be up there and the black kids would be... No, the, you know, the white kids would be down here and the black kids would be up there, you know. And he would come out like a shaman and he would say, you are all God's bouquet, you know, like a bunch of flowers. Um, and he knew how to whip them out up into a frenzy. The difference between him and... Elvis. Elvis would be just ferried into his next gig and um, he'd just walk onto, sta onto the stage and he, he hadn't even been there casing the place beforehand. You know, it was all stage managed for him. Little Richard would get to a gig an hour before anyone else and talk to the lighting guys and discuss with them how he could set the stage up to give maximum effect. And he was always thinking, how can I... I want to turn the crowd into absolute mayhem. 
how can I best do that, you know? I want to actually set them on fire. You know, little Richard, uh, sorry, Elvis would just be on stage doing the Elvis thing, you know, do the hips and all that sort of stuff. But Elvis, uh, so little Richard would, um, he'd talk to the lighting guys, he says, right, I want it all pitch black. Um, people are going to expect me to come from stage left. I'm going to come down the aisle in between the crowd and I want one single spotlight on me and then I'll start clapping when I get onto the stage and I'll whip them into a frenzy. And now the white kids are going to be down the bottom and the black kids are going to be up the top. I am going to make them all mix and mingle and I'm going to say, you are all God's bouquet, you know, bouquet if you like. And, um, and... In that way, he got them all mixing and mingling and all that sort of stuff. He was doing something not in a protestish sort of way. He was never a civil rights protester. He never complained about racism per se um, and all that sort of stuff. Um, he had a different way about him. He he was he had a, he was full of positivity in in a way, but. Um, you know, he didn't get angry. He was just, um, he, he just kept chanting, we must all love each other, you know. But he was outrageous at the same time. I think if I hadn't known him, I would have been horrified. You know, I wouldn't want to actually meet him. You don't want to meet your favourite rock star, you know. Um, but on another level, he was amazing, you know. Um, what's that movie that was... Um, he was a showman. You know, what's that movie, The Greatest Showman? That was about, you know, Barnum, you know, the uh, P.T. Barnum is. Um, he, he himself went and saw a Little Richard concert and you had to be there apparently. And he himself said, that is The Greatest Showman. You, know, you can Google all of this stuff. And, um, he, and all I can say is there are some people Little Richard's only one of them. There are, you know, Napoleon was another. There are some people who can electrify a room by simply walking into it. Um, and Little Richard was one of those. He could whip a crowd into a frenzy. And I think this is why bands like the Beatles and ACDC and, and many others, the Rolling Stones, and um, but especially those first two that I mentioned, ACDC and the Beatles and Metallica and others, you know, they always cited Little Richard as what they as being what they wanted to achieve. And Jimi Hendrix, you know. Jimi Hendrix said, I want to make my guitar do what Little Richard does with his voice. Now, little uh, Jimi Hendrix obviously got to see Little Richard up very close because he was in his band and um, they hated each other uh, because little Jimi Hendrix started trying to come upstage of Little Richard, you know, because Little Richard was on the piano, um, and Jimi Hendrix was on the guitar. And, you know, Jimi Hendrix could actually start, you know, it had to be about Little Richard. You couldn't have two uh, supernovas on the stage at the same time. And Little Richard ended up um, uh, leaving uh, Jimi Hendrix stranded at a roadhouse or something, you know. He took off in the team bus, you know, in the band bus, and just left Jimi Hendrix there. Um, they had a dispute, you know. There was a clash of egos and all that sort of thing. Look, little uh, Jimi Hendrix was due to break free anyway. 
um, and be a bigger star than Little Richard. Everyone ended up a, a bigger star than Little Richard and uh, he couldn't, he never quite could handle that, I think. You, you know, there's a terrible moment, really, uh, because Otis Redding, you know, he was a, um, he came from the same place as Little Richard came from, Macon in Georgia. Uh, Georgia, you know, that's, um, uh, you get um, uh, Otis Redding, James Brown and Little Richard all came from Georgia. Um, and, um, you know, Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay, you know, sitting in the morning sun, you know, that's a, a fa, 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 you know, he's got all these songs. Anyway, Little Richard did, uh, this is Little Richard at its at his most horrifying, you know, and I'm aghast. I was aghast when I first saw this clip. Um, Otis Redding, who, who died in a plane crash, um, he got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know. uh, now, Little Richard got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's inaugural, inaugural year. You know, like There was a, a batch of rock and rollers um, who got put in first up. And Little Richard was one of them, you know, Elvis, all the usual suspects, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, I think, you know. Um, and, look, I've ended up talking a bit more, but, you know, it warrants it. You know, one of my rock stars that I follow. I've got a few people that I follow that I get obsessed about, and Little Richard's one of them. Yeah. Another one is Captain Cook. I get obsessed about Captain Cook. I can talk about him for hours. I can talk about Little Richard for hours. Um... And another one more recently is uh, the Emperor Tedros you know, from Ethiopia in about 18, you know, in, in the mid to sort of late-ish 1800s. I mean, yeah. He's, I, had, I had this little gag going for a while, you know, my, what I called my Little Richard Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, my Little Richard Riot Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's all about a riot. When it comes, when you, when it's about Little Richard, um, it's about raising a riot. How much of a riot can you raise on this earth? Yeah. Do you have that shaman-like quality where you can electrify the world? You know. Um, now, what's probably fascinating to me about uh, someone like Little Richard is he's um, he's absolutely everything I'm not, but I'm fascinated by that. Anyway, you know, it's, it's like a gazelle being fascinated by a lion, you know, sort of thing, you know, um, you know, because uh, I'm very just ordinary, very ordinary, and Little Richard is the exact opposite of anything ordinary. Uh, now, I, uh, now, it's a funny thing, you know, it's a little bit like, nice to see you wouldn't want to be, because uh, uh, there's not one part of me that would want to be anything. I would not swap lives in, in at all. I like my life, but I'm still fascinated. It's like sometimes rock and roll. You know, people might think that if you like rock and roll, that you're into sex, drugs and rock and roll, you know, that you've got any interest in all that stuff. And, you know, I've got no interest in any of those things. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but anyway, um, no, well, not drugs. I've never had drugs and I've never even had a cigarette. But the point is I still like rock and roll, even though rock and roll has got a very big seedy side. Uh, only because I'm sort of fascinated and horrified by it at the same time as actually really liking it in another way. Um, but as 
It's almost like you go to the circus, but you wouldn't want to be a circus performer. You know, that's what rock and roll is like for, you know, um, a lot of people, I think. And me included. Look, rock and roll was a very unusual moment in history because it was a time of change. Um, youth culture was being invented. You know, every generation since the 1950s, you get a, a youth culture emerging. So every, you know, every, you know, there, there are 16, 17, 18 year olds who have their own culture and grown-ups don't understand us, you know, because we are, you know, we are the young, you know. Now, that, uh, that concept of a youth culture didn't exist as a definable sort of demographic in the world, you know, a youth movement, you know, um, it was invented by these rock and roll, this rock and roll era, the 1950s, and that's what sort of lights... And ever since then, you know, every generation of youth, you know, who feels edgy and, you know, we are the power, you know, um, we are the Department of Youth, you know, uh, you can't stop the children of the revolution, you know, it goes on and on through the decades and it's still going on now, and you sort of say, oh... We are the youth of 2021, you know, 2020. We are the youth movement, you know. But there was only one time in history where there was a youth movement that was the first youth movement, in my, as far as I know, and that was in the 1950s. It was different because it hadn't happened before. Like every, every generation of youth now who just think their parents don't understand them. Well, their parents were part of a youth movement themselves. You know, my kids will, you know, in a couple of years when they get to become 16, 17, 18, they'll think, oh, Dad, you are such a fuddy-duddy. But, you know, I was in, I was part of my youth culture. culture In my time, you know, it's almost impossible to see that, you know, when you just look at me now because I'm old, washed up and finished, but I'm not dead. Little Richard's dead. <laughs> but um, it's impossible for kids to see that, you know. You have to almost rely on photos to even... But you don't bother proving it, you know. It doesn't matter. But the point is, you know, we we were the youth, you know. And, and that, that's every generation. But there was one generation who started that. And that was the 1950s, you know. Anyway, so that's that. Look... It's, it's a big moment, the 1950s, because it's, it, it, that was the explosion. That's when everything changed. It was, it was just out of World War Two, and the chaos was being left behind, and this was the first era, you know, and in America, of course, you know, because um, it, America hadn't been smashed up. England had been smashed up. Europe had been smashed up. Everything had been smashed up, but America was, you know, America got out of World War Two wealthy, um, you know, so that was where, you know, the cars, the girls and all that sort of stuff, that whole culture, everyone was able to buy records and all that sort of stuff. Um, and there was, you know, affluence, you know, and kids, you know, World War Two had almost already been forgotten. Um, and, you know, people were going to the drive-ins and hanging out at the diners and listening to rock and roll. You know, and it was a, a crazy time. Uh, but meanwhile, over in England... England was still smashed up, you know. Uh, but the point is, 
um, the, the lean, mean, hungry English boys, you know, the rough boys, in the back streets of Liverpool, people like John Lennon and all that sort of stuff, the edgy boys, you know, you know um, bucking against the establishment and all that sort of stuff, they, they got hold of records, you know, from people like Elvis, of course. But then, you know, John Lennon, there's a famous quote, and um, he, he had got hold of Long Tall Sally on a record, you know, which I did myself too when I was about the same age as John Lennon was then. You know, I was one of those skinny white boys in my teenage years hearing Long Tall Sally for the first time. And, uh, you know, there are some songs that you only get to hear for the first time once. And um, John Lennon said when he heard Long Tall Sally for the first time, he said, I can hardly speak. I could hardly speak. I couldn't believe that there was, you know, um, Paul McCartney described it. Paul McCartney is one of the few people who ever could sing Long Tall Sally, you know. Poor John Lennon couldn't. Um, and John Lennon, he had a rock and roll instinct. And, uh, yeah, I feel sorry for John Lennon having to watch the fact that Paul could sing it and Paul could rip it out too. He could rip it up. Um, that was another Little Richard song, Rip It Up. Um, and, um, uh, look, listen to rock and uh, Listen to Long Tall Sally if you feel like it, but it's an ethereal... It, his voice is ethereal. Look, it's not like songs these days where... Um, Songs are manufactured and pitch corrected and everything. Back then it was one, two, three, four, and every, the whole band singing and the exact sound that they make there, is, you know, finds its way onto the record immediately. Yeah. Um, but I think when they were recording Long Tall Sally, I think they were up to their third take or fourth take. These days, you know, you could have 16 writers, 44 producers, you know, X number of musicians who never even meet each other because all the different parts of the song are written in at different time, uh, recorded at different times in different cities. And it's all brought together by a sound engineer, you know. And, you know, and it's, I don't know how many, you know, it's got 16 writers and the song's only got four words in it. You know, it's bizarre. You know, but it works. You know, I like a lot of modern songs, but it's manufactured and you can tell it. Whereas there's a raw energy to a song like, you know, Tutti Frutti or, um, well, this is what Little Richard brought to the table, you know, because a lot of people brought lots of things to the table. Um, Chuck Berry brought things to the table that had never been done. He's what I call, you know, I never liked Chuck Berry. You know, he's a toolie. Uh, you have to know, in Aust I don't know if you had that in other countries, but in Australia, we had this thing called schoolies. So people like Elvis and Little Richard and all those guys, they were all the young ones, you know, Everly Brothers especially, you know, and Buddy Holly and all those. They were all young, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20. But then you had this 30-year-old Chuck Berry who gatecrashed the party and actually wrote fantastic songs. He really did. But, you know, and then ended up going out, I don't know if he was 30, maybe he was 29 when he started, I don't know. But he ended up um, going out with a 13-year-old, you know, uh, he, he, look, he, he had some stints in jail. I don't have much time for Chuck Berry. Uh, but, you know, little Richard, I don't know. Look, I, I would have been horrified if I had been in 
Little Richard's uh, apartment after the average gig, you know, because he would organise orgies and all sorts of things, you know. um, You don't even know what, yeah, I hope this is is suddenly an adults-only podcast, isn't it? Uh, um, But, um, you know, like uh, at Otis Redding's, um, eulogy, you know, Little Richard was asked to do, asked to do Otis Redding's, not eulogy, but, um, acceptance speech, you know, Otis was dead, um, and Mick Jagger, Bruce Springsteen, they were all there in the audience, you know, uh, Keith Richard laughing his head off, because uh, uh, he knew what Little Richard was about, um, but Little Richard, that was him at his most horrendous, at that rock and roll, you know, he said, y'all know I can sing. He, he made it all about himself. He he made it, he somehow made it not about Otis Redding anymore, and it was Otis Redding's night. See, this is where I don't like Little Richard, you know, the way he would do that. Um, and he turned it into his night. Uh, look, he was a bit of a Donald Trump. In fact, Donald Trump reminds me a lot of Little Richard. So if you want to know what Little Richard was like, Little Richard saw himself as America. Now, the average rap um, singer these days bucks against the idea of America, I think, or a lot of them do anyway, and they're identifying with Africa and all this sort of stuff, you know, pan-Africanisms and the black man must rise, Malcolm X, all that sort of stuff. But little Richard, you know, he used to sing the Star Spangled Banner and he loved the flag. Oh, look, it's really complex, you know. Um... He wasn't a protester as such against racism. He had everything to... He had more to complain about on the racism angle than anyone, but he didn't play that game. He didn't want to live his life that way. Yeah. He was... Look, he was... He was there was something God-Jesus-like about him and something evil-devil about him too. He was an outrageous ego more than anything. Um... But, you know, matter-of-factly, you say, hey, when I was young, um, look, he was preyed upon. Yeah. He had every... He had no... You would never pick him as, you know, going to the top of the world. He had a big head, you know, oversized head, like a chapa-chap, you know. Um, and he had a club foot so he couldn't dance. Um, I suppose he, you know, he could make himself pretty. But, you know, not to my eye, but, um, you know, he used to... Look, he had a lot of things wrong with him. And he was poor and he was black in the racist deep south. Um, He had no chance, you know. And he had been preyed upon and all that sort of stuff. He'd never pick it. And he managed to drag himself up and become the king of the world by about 1957. It was so quick. You know, from 1955 through to 1957... He had a string of hits and he was the biggest thing in the world. And then, bang, he disappeared. And then he made a comeback, but in 1963 or 64 or whatever, and, you know, the Beatles were his backing band early on. The Rolling Stones were his backing band. You know, and Jimi Hendrix was in his band. Um, so he was the biggest thing going for a while. But then all those other people, they overtook him. And he was left behind, but he never quite admitted it. Or he could never... You know, he kept trying, he kept walking around like, I am a superstar, 
but it was kind of a, a parody sort of thing. Yeah. Um, look, he had his moments from then on. You know, he, he got ro- he got rolled out, you know, to do the Grammys and all that sort of stuff. Look, he did a Grammys speech, which is worth watching. Um, I think if you Google Little Richard Funny... Oh, he was a comedian, by the way. He's very much a comedian. Google Little Richard Grammys Funny. I know that sounds strange to put it that way, but if you do that, you'll see he's, he did this speech at the Grammys and it shows his shaman-like qualities because he brought the house down, you know, and that's with all the Grammy people there, you know, everyone from Stevie Wonder to, you know, every rock star ever. They were all there. But anyway, he brought the house down and he... he he somehow raised his arms and everyone in the audience, you know, all the, the wealthiest people around, movie uh, music producers and everything, and they all got to their feet. He was able to do that. And that was just a, a tiny glimpse into what he must have been doing and was doing with the kids back in the 50s, where he would raise his, arm, raise his arms and say, you are all God's bouquet. I want you to raise up, you know. And the kids would all say, now I want you to mingle, you know. And he broke down segregation in that way, you know, in a di- very different way from the way Rosa Parks, for example, did it. You know, he, he said, he, he just said, you know, it doesn't matter, white man, black man, red man, yellow man, I don't care. We are all flowers, you know, look at the whole gay thing, do but, you know, in God's bouquet. And that was his thing. Um, but there are lots of things you can Google. Um, and look, look, that Otis Redding one always horrifies me because at the end of that, um, Otis Redding's widow comes onto the stage and little Richard um, is off and flying. He's lost all sense of um, context because... He's got an audience. That's his thing, you know. He's got an audience. He can't help himself. He's got an oversized ego. He is the Donald Trump of his time. Donald Trump is actually in his shadow on this. Whatever Donald Trump's doing, ego style, little Richard did it bigger. He was more out of control, believe it or not. Little Richard was. Now, Otis Redding's widow widow came on stage and, you know, she was clearly a, a very sensible and, you know, like a very dignified woman. And little Richard started forcing and pushing her around because he he realised that she was his photo opportunity. And he's doing his great big grin that he does. And he's saying, make my picture, make my picture, you know. Over there, you, white boy, take my picture. You know, he's putting it on by now, he's bunging it on. Um, And it was horrendous. You know, and, oh, I was watching that and I was saying, oh, I can't stand this guy, you know. But then again, on other occasions, I watch things and I sort of think, oh, wow, you know. Um, and sometimes you see little Richard, um, there was a, f- a famous interview he had with Donnie and Marie Osmond. And um, uh, they're quite nice people, actually. I think they were Mormons, you know. And they interviewed him once, and in one of those very rare moments, they managed to uh, get little Richard to stop 
his bullshit act, because most of his life was his act. You know, he needed that act to drag himself out of the gutter. I think he started to forget, you know, I start to forget which, you know, where does the real little Richard stop and where does the fake little Richard start, you know? And the two personalities start to blend, don't they, surely, in the end? Look, I'm not a psychoanalyst. I don't understand little Richard, really. Um, because I'm not a psychologist, you know. Um, I'm just watching. And, um, oh, David Bowie, um, he, uh, he, his wife, for David Bowie's birthday, um, his wife, uh, uh, bought him Little Richard's actual suit, you know, uh, that he used to wear in the 50s. And David Bowie tried it on, but it was far too big for him. He was called Little Richard, but he was big. You know, he's like six foot. And then when he put his hair on, which is most of the time a wig, especially, you know, like, not when he was younger, but he ended up putting this high wig on. Um, and um, that would give him another four inches of height. He was tall. David Bowie was short. He's a skinny white boy. Did I mention those? And, uh, and... Yeah, Google Michael Parkinson, David Bowie, Little Richard, and he talks about him there. And um, David Bowie himself describes how Little Richard was his idol as such, you know. Um, but he got forgotten by the fans, Little Richard. And that, I think that, was the, that would have been hard for him to take. Um, in the end, it was other rock stars who had Little Richard as their idol, but not the fans. You know, he was kind of a rock star's rock star, if you know what I mean. Um, so especially Bon Scott, you know, and Lenny Clemmister, you know, and quite a few others that I can't even remember. Um, you know, Tom Jones... Uh, he had some memorable moments with Little Richard too. He'll probably come out and say a few words tomorrow, you know, once or this or, you know, today, America time. There'll be a few people coming out and saying a few words. Angus Young might, although he's pretty private. You know, David Bowie can't. He's dead. Little Richard outlived David Bowie. How about that? Yeah. John Lennon can't. Paul McCartney really should. Um, Paul McCartney... Uh, Little Richard called Paul McCartney his baby. Little Richard, uh, sorry, Paul McCartney, you know, he finished every concert. He finished off every Beatles concert with Little Long Tall Sally, as I said. He was able to sing it. And Paul McCartney described singing that song, if you can sing it, and very few people could. Very few people could. He described it as singing a foot above your own head. That's how high it is. Now, not high-pitched, but just high. It's a high belt. And Paul McCartney described it as, you know, when he was doing, he said it was an out-of-body experience. If you sing Long Tall Sally properly, it's an out-of-body experience. You're singing a foot above your own head. Okay. All right, I ended up uh, waffling on and on. Um... And I could for another 64 hours, no doubt about it. Look, he's not the only one I can talk about. 
like this, you know, Captain Cook as well. You know, in fact, I did talk about Captain Cook in my previous podcast, at the end of my previous podcast, because we had the 250th anniversary of the landing of Captain Cook here in Australia. You know, and I did a whole series of episodes on the Emperor Tedros, not to be confused with the current Director General of the World Health Organization, Tedros, who I have also spoken about at length in my previous podcast. Um, the, both Tedroses, you know, because they're both Ethiopian. You know, I'm pretty sure the current Tedros is named after the previous Tedros. You know, in the 1800s, that Tedros is amazing. Um, that previous Tedros, you know. Now I don't mean I love him. You know, I don't mean I love Little Richard or Captain Cook. These guys just amaze me. You know, they're just um, they're one in a million type people. Uh, you know, Tedros he was like a Ned Kelly except on a grander scale, last man standing. You know, in his um, mountaintop castle with the full force of uh, Queen Victoria, one of Queen Victoria's armies, led by Robert Napier, um, finally reaching him, and Tedros, uh, yeah, the old Tedros back then, well, he wasn't old when he died, um, you know, um, finally his army has been defeated. Uh, He's had a few, a lot of his own men try to desert, and he's chopped their hands off and had them thrown off a cliff. You know, the English, after they mopped up, after after Tedros was dead, um, they went to the bottom of the cliff, of a cliff, and they were horrified to see all these hands, all these, um, all these bodies with no hands, you know. And um, uh, anyway, look, that's a whole other story. That's Tedros. And, you know, Captain Cook, you know, shot the first Aborigine he saw. You know, people whip themselves up into a frenzy about things like that. And, you know, sometimes when you see that, you know, a headline like that, you know, Captain Cook, you know, because he had his good points and he had his bad points. He was the greatest navigator in history. You know, I see him as something like the greatest sailor in history. And, man, is that a big statement to make when you think about all the sailors that there have ever been in history. You know, going back to, you know, Jason and the Argonauts (laughs) in Greek mythology and all that sort of stuff, you know. Think of all the sailors in history, Columbus and all that. You know, Captain Cook put him above all them. Um, he amazes me, you know, but he lost his head in the end. Well, actually, you know, because he, he had a, a run-in with the Hawaiians, you know, um, and in a rare moment of Captain Cook kind of losing control, getting angry and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, look, it ended up with Captain Cook running down yeah, you know, fleeing for his life, actually. You know, one of the, you know, it'd be a little... Who's, who's super famous at the moment? You know, as famous as Captain Cook was at the time that he got killed. Um, it would be like Donald Trump, if you like. All right, that'll do. Um, being chased by an angry mob. Now, you know, would this make the news? Donald Trump getting chased uh, down to the water and then someone grabbing an axe, an actual axe, and burying it into the back of Donald Trump's head. And Donald Trump, you know, collapsing onto his knees in the shallows and dying right there and then, you know. And then later, 
the mob who had killed Donald Trump um, coming up to Donald Trump's wife, because this happened to Captain Cook, so to speak, um, and handing her a brown package, you know, and her opening the brown package and it's Donald Trump's thigh with the flesh on it, you know, and that's what the Hawaiians did with Captain Cook. They rode out to Captain Cook's ship and um, and uh, they handed up, you know, this was the resolution. It wasn't the endeavour by then. This was on his third voyage, you know, and they handed out a, up a brown package, paper, a wrapped up package, and, um, and they untied it. His crew, now it wasn't his wife. Elizabeth was her name, I can't remember. Um, back in London, you know. Uh, um, anyway, his crew opened um, the package. Now, Captain Cook was their leader, you know, and a greater leader than ever was. Look, Napoleon was greater in a different way, but I'm talking about the greatest navigator on the seven seas in history, you know. And um, they opened the package and it was a thigh. It was Captain Cook's thigh, you know. You get these amazing moments in history, these hinge moments in history, these people every now and again who are like a, a supernova in history. Most of us don't matter. Yeah, but little Richard was a supernova in his mo in his time. Look, I think um, you know, I think oh, look, Elvis is God in the rock and roll world, but I think he's starting to be forgotten. Yeah, but um, yeah, little Richard was forgotten straight away. The Beatles will never be forgotten by the look of it, uh, but the Beatles modelled their show, you know, what they did on what Little Richard did. There's no doubt about that. The Beatles actively whipped the kids into a uh, frenzy, but not by being sexy or something, just whipping them into a, a shaman-like frenzy. It's easy to forget that the Beatles were able to do that. You know, it's quite nuts. Beatlemania was actually a frenzy, like a shark-feeding frenzy, they were able to whip up, and they actively did it in their shows, and they had toured with Little Richard Pryor. Not Richard Pryor. Prior to this, they had toured with Little Richard in Hamburg in the rough times. You know, they'd met Little Richard, you know, when Little Richard was making his comeback and, uh, and knew, and, and they copied his method of whipping the teenagers into a frenzy. He, Little Richard did that in his time and apparently he had to be there. There's no footage of that because that was too early. Look, I've said it before. I could go on and on. Okay. And there's others too, you know, that I'm fascinated by. But Little Richard's definitely one of those people and he was a, he was, uh, he was a big moment in history. Look, he invented a musical style, I think. Um, and not many people can say they've done that. You can be, you know, it's a little bit like Mozart did qu didn't quite invent a new musical style. Yeah. But Beethoven did, so Beethoven's bigger on that level. Yeah. You can have people, you know, Mozart's no doubt a genius. You know. There are plenty of people who have become much bigger than Little Richard, but they didn't invent the style, the new style. How many people actually 
invent a new style, and I think little Richard invented rock. Not rock and roll, yeah. He was part and parcel of the in in the invention. He was part of a, a small clique of people who invented rock and roll. You know, it's Chuck Berry and you know maybe Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis and you know the people who invented early and and even Everly Brothers and Buddy Holly, of course. You know, but Chuck Berry especially, much as I think he's a toolie. No. Um, but Little Richard was one of that mob. Oh, and Fats Domino. You know, Fats Domino. You know, maybe he wrote the first rock and roll song. Um, and, uh, there's a few contenders for the first rock and roll song. Uh, what's his name? Tina Turner's husband. Um, he was a big deal early on, you know. This is even before 1955, you know. Uh, anyway, look, I'll finish off now. That'll do. Uh, I spoke far too long. I can't believe I did that. Uh, listen, the idea of this podcast coming up, I'll talk about Little Richard probably another day. Look, I've already talked enough about him. And I've talked a lot about him in the past in other podcasts and writings. I've done a lot of writings. Uh, um, and, you know. Uh, but anyway, having said all that, um, yes, this podcast is going to be different from my previous podcast, okay? Um, this podcast is called Charlie Threadbow, which is a fake name. You know, I get that from rock and rollers too. You know, we, we, uh, it's, a, it's an old trick to speak under an alias, you know, not as yourself, you know, a little bit like Little Richard. You know, that, it wasn't the real him on stage most of the time. David Bowie, he had aliases. You know, Ziggy Stardust and all that sort of stuff. Even David Bowie himself was a, an alias. You know, the real David Bowie was David Jones, you know. And, um, and he was kind of putting on an act when he was David Bowie and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, but um, I made a resolution that... This new podcast, which is called Charlie Threadbow, episodes 210 onwards, would be a, a, a fresh new thing compared to the previous podcast in which I would go on and on and on in a, in a single episode for an hour. You know, so I said to myself, well, not in this podcast, you know? Not in this podcast. This is my new podcast. And I won't waffle on for hours and hours on one episode. I won't, you know. And I won't. It's just that I just did in the very first episode, see. See, you should never make resolutions because you've got to break them. I've broken my very first resolution on my very first episode, you know. But I've got plans for this overall podcast and, oh, I promise, you know, this first episode will be the last time that I'll waffle on for an hour. I'm never going to do that again. You know, this podcast from now on is going to be tight, you know, and structured and, um, and all those things, you know. It's going to be, you know, designed to be listenable and enjoyable for the listener, as if I care about the listener. You know, I've never cared about the listener before. In my previous podcast, you know, which was Charlie Threadbow episodes, 
you know, I was, um, I was, what's the word for it? Um, they use it in law. Uh, see, it's really late. It's, what time is it? Um, 1.48 a.m. Uh, um, you know, it's um, contempt. You know, I showed contempt for the listener, really, you know, because that was a zen that I was seeking in my previous podcast, Charlie Threbo, episodes 1 to 209. That was my previous episode, but uh, my previous podcast. But in this podcast coming up now, which is um, Charlie Threbo, episodes 210 onwards, I'm not showing contempt for the listener. I'm actually going to speak to the listener, but I'll just imagine I've got one listener. I'm not out for listeners, you know. Um, it's, uh, I won't even get into what I'm about. You know, it's not interesting. I've got, I've, you know, I've, what I'm on about in this podcast is in my head, but it's just not interesting, so I won't even say it. I'll just make the podcast, you know. So that's episode one, done and dusted. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to have the title, Introduction. I was going to make a nice, tight little introduction to this new episode, this brave new world of nice, tight little episodes. And guess what? It ended up a great big waffle uh, that went for an hour. Um, But absolutely stunningly... Little Richard died as I was starting the episode. You know, for my purposes, Little Richard died. It turns out he had died uh, maybe an hour before because I'd scanned, you know, I jumped on my phone as soon as I realised at the start of this episode. It's amazing that I was just starting this episode and the notification popped up on my phone. Little Richard, blah, 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 and I couldn't, uh, you know, you don't get enough time to see it. I said, well, hang on, what's going on here? I said this at the start of the episode. Something's happening with little Richard, you know, and the first thing I thought was maybe he's been whacked by coronavirus, you know, because I had thought that in my head. I said, oh, there's only a few rock and rollers left. You know, there's only Jerry Lee Lewis and little Richard and one of the Everly brothers and maybe one or two others that are even alive still from the, you know, that hinge moment in musical history that was the 1950s when a whole new musical style was being invented, rock and roll, you know, as Little Richard used to say, the blues um, uh, had a baby and it was called rock and roll. Uh, Now it's only really Jerry Lee Lewis left and one of the Everly Brothers. Um, So that's that. You know, Little Richard's... I think it's quite stunning that just when I start a whole new podcast, you know, the very minute uh, I'm starting an episode... Uh, that's the minute that I, you know, the little rich chooses to die. You know, that's amazing. Now, I'll probably just take over his personality now because I do that. You know, I make these aliases. This is an alias, you know. I'm speaking as an alias, Charlie Threbo. I do have another alias, Richard Pennyman. In fact, in my local coffee shop, look, you're going to think I'm mad, but I know what I'm doing. You know, they all call me little. They, they don't call me little Richard. They call me Richard, you know, because I took on that name. So in my local coffee shop, I'm called Richard, you know, because that's 
how I introduced myself when the coffee shop first opened. Um, but that's a whole other story. I'll leave it at that. Um, but that guy, he was insane. Uh, um, after the Atlanta Olympics, yes, that was another moment. Um, uh, he caused a riot and they had to abandon the closing ceremony when little Richard came out on the back of a truck, started belting out a song. He had that shaman-like quality. Um, you can Google that too. Little Richard, Atlanta, Olympics. You could Google a lot of things. All right, that'll do. End of episode.